1: Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast.
0: This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast.
1: and welcome to the stardom cast we are live on YouTube we're live on Facebook we're live on Twitter somehow we've actually managed to work it out and it has worked um uh, it's been a nightmare trying to get it sorted but there we are hi Brad how are you hope you're doing well Plug Pedro's here as well hello plug Pedro Thomas I'm so sorry that uh it's ruined it for you the uh the twitter ruined the uh ruined the result i apologize i've been there my friend um i apologize thank you hello thomas hope you're okay hello neil um plug pedro oh my god they are handsome
2: that's well all we got that's it we're not. We, have, we don't. We don't know how good our review is going to be, but we are looking good. Right, My guys. Wife's in that other room over there, I want her to hear that.
1: <laughs> right, guys. That's us done. That is us done. We're peacing out. Thank you very Boom. much. <laughs> um, no. Thank you for joining us. I hope you have had a lovely Christmas and you enjoyed Stardom Dream Queen Demand, of course, Year End Climax and New Blood 12 as well. Um, I'm joined, of course, by Mr. Positivity himself. It's only Matt Bloody Turner. Matt Turner, how are you, good sir?
2: I'm good, brother. I know we just uh, recorded another episode right before this because that's how we do it, my <laughs> friend. And uh, I, this is such a great day for me because I woke up watched a phenomenal stardom show regardless of you know the main event and crashing we'll get into that but i thought stardom did a great job by giving the main event free on youtube hmm. but then i went to my eye doctor appointment and my eye doctor says you're in your 40s and your your eyes somehow got better he said how did that possibly happen you know what i told him Rap? i told it. him i believed in tam that's what i told him <laughs> that's, i didn't tell him that i just told him that i i just told him that i ate a lot of carrots and he Rob, you know, if I'm doing this podcast with me, I'm very eccentric. I very like people. I'm very somewhat funny in a bad way, good way, regardless. And I'm throwing all this verbiage at this guy. And he's having none of it. I came home and I told my wife, <laughs> just no just I, couldn't get I couldn't get anything out of this guy. Anything. Like the receptionist, <laughs> the one lady that took the picture. I had everybody laughing. I had everybody laughing. I get in there and I was like, they gave me the giant goggle glasses things. So, I'm like, oh, do I get to take those home? he's like, no, I need them. The dead serious. Like, what would I do with these anyway? Anyway, but then, uh, you know, it get to come home and I watch the uh, Sayoriano versus uh, Mirai match over again because they put that up on YouTube. Yeah, then we got a little bipoy, my man. No, it says from, uh... i
1: poi. Oh, look at that. Look how you see that. Maybe I do need a stronger contact. Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe you should have spent less time trying to make him laugh and actually let him do his damn job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what it could have been but uh yeah then I, I watched uh micah versus suzu again and then we just literally uh just about an hour ago we did the alternate commentary for the first episode that'll drop on new year's the alternate commentary for our fine folks over at the stardom cast extra of micah versus suzu suzuki from the five-star grand prix but uh, this was a great show brother this was a phenomenal show i absolutely loved it and i have my notes here but because it's so fresh in my mind, I don't know if there's very much I'm gonna to refer to. I think I'm gonna go with, with my memory, which it could be a really good thing, a really bad thing. There might be no in between. <laughs> there might be no in between. So yeah, no, I um,
1: get that. I'll oh so why I'll would laugh Why everybody
2: Yeah, there he is. Why everybody's commenting? What do you guys think about the new logo that we literally got probably at like 1230 your time? And I was like, I hope he's up. So what does everybody think about the new uh, the new logo?
1: And I think more importantly so. as well. Um, I I love the new logo, by the way. Um, One thing I will say is I don't know where the 14 chins I've got going on on this logo have come from. Um, But, oh, I mean, thank you, Thomas. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad, Neil, you like it. Thank you very much. Um, I'm slightly concerned about how big my chin is, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. Definitely haven't got a complex because of it. Um, But, yeah, beard face uh, Thank you.
2: I, I did talk to, uh, yeah, that'll be a, a I know that I, I already ordered the, and I put up on social media, the black and white stickers. Um, those will be coming in the mail probably in the next two or three days. I've already sold out half the inventory on pre-orders. So uh, anybody that wants the black and white stickers, uh, you know, let me know, shoot me a message. Like I said, I already have half the inventory to, to, to sell to uh, to ship out. So now that we have the new logo, the colored stickers, and then I'm assuming, because Rob is an absolute genius, we'll probably be putting that up on some of the merchandise, as you see below. So, um, And if that does go all well, I did talk to uh, Mindy Indy, who is an independent artist who I've known for a long time, who has done, uh, has done the new logo. And I told her maybe about five or six months, we will touch base with her doing another logo of us dressed up as Stardom characters. And I already told Rob, we got to do Meltier. Me and him and the uh, with the crowns, you know, and you know, I, I mean, I think that's just money printing money, brother. I think that's the way we got to go, but we'll discuss that when it comes to the summer months, my friend.
1: I have a feeling that that is going to be a very one sided conversation. Um, because I feel like if we're not going to be Fukik and death, what is the point? Um, but yes, you can um, be not, you can be not to play with the paint. Oh, we do could be, you just match it up. So, uh, in in. Very weird news. So uh, obviously I was talking to you, Matt, beforehand. Um, uh, Obviously you have already seen The Iron Claw, which is out in cinemas right now. I was saying to you that uh, progress has been made in getting my girlfriend to go and see it. Um, Obviously led with Zac Efron being a buff, buff boy, and he is a buff, buff boy. Um, and he's that, in his underwear
2: too I told you he's in his underwear for he, a good portion of that movie don't as well. worry
1: I said it I said it and uh, she was <laughs> she was like okay I'll watch the trailer now unfortunately it's not in cinemas near us so we'll have to make a day of it somewhere but um, I would like to think that it's it's touch and go but it's definitely more positive than I thought and then she actually sat and watched a stardom match with me today so this morning my wrestling-averse girlfriend came and sat with me, voluntarily as well, to watch Mirai versus Cioriano, um, which was great. Um, it's very weird watching a wrestling match with someone who's got no concept of wrestling whatsoever, does not understand the nuances, doesn't understand any of that, is just commenting on the ridicu- most ridiculous things in the world. Um and then this was compounded by, of course, we had the return of Natsupui. Uh, not in ring yet, but hopefully it's imminent. Um and Kirsty looked at me and went. Are those two sisters? As in Natsupuy and Seoriano. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, Are they the same person? And it took her ages to work out that it wasn't just her little sister that had broken through the crowd barriers um to basically sit with Seoriano. Um but yeah, she was like I don't get it, but sure. She actually sat through the entire match as well. and It was the longest match on the card. So, do you know what? We may have a third member of the Stardom cast soon. Who knows?
2: Hey, the more the merrier. The more the merrier. But it was funny because you had texted me halfway through the match, and you obviously we'll get we'll get we'll get into it as we get towards the end of the podcast because it was the co-main event, and you had made mention that this is what Kirsty said, and I was like, that's kind of funny, and then. I went, there was, again, we'll get into it. we get to the end because I thought the match was amazing. As good as their five-star match was, as good as their match at Goldruss was, this was even better. And I think me and you text each other back and forth, add this to the already long legendary list of phenomenal must-see matches for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And I went on Twitter just to kind of just, you know, post my thoughts. And it was very divisive, where there were some people that didn't like it at all. I think Mm -hmm. even somebody said, this is Soriano's worst performance of all time. I was like, did I watch a different match? And then again, because of the feed going down, we were able to get Micah versus uh, Suzu for free and then Sayori versus uh, Mariah for free. So while I was getting ready to go for my eye doctor appointment, I've already watched Suzu and Micah and did my notes. So now I'm going to go back and watch this match. Is, did I just really, really enjoy this? Like, is that, is I'm just like super positive? I mean, is there something maybe that I maybe saw that I didn't. I went back and watched it. And again, I loved it even more. So I don't know. I'm sorry, if you didn't, maybe you need a hug. Um, but halfway <laughs> through, my wife came down and she literally, she literally said the same thing that your girlfriend said yep. about Sarah and dear. <laughs> so I was like, that's exactly what Ralph's girlfriend said. Because boy, i tell you what, she goes, you two think alike and we two think alike. And I was like, you know, when we first started doing this podcast, we got about seven, eight months in and there wasn't a week that went by that people would say, there's no way, Matt's in Pennsylvania in America and there's no way Rob's over in England. You guys have to be brothers. You guys have to meet Tyler. You're like, no, we just it's just literally like we are just like Wrestle adjacent brothers. And apparently our significant others are ours, ours as well. So uh our condolences to the <laughs> that have to put up with all this. God bless them. They I literally the other day I had to yeah, I had to send Amber my podcast recording schedule which changes from time to time and then my wrestling watching schedule for this week because we have this tomorrow is the aw show uh then we have the show on the third uh the triangle derby and then we have the two shows on the fourth with wrestle kingdom and the mighty russuri match so it's like here it is
1: Yeah, haven't quite broached our subject with Kirsty yet. We'll uh, we'll see how that goes. If I'm not on the next podcast, <laughs> she has killed me. Um so <laughs> I'm Be not your an Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Just get all buff like Zach Efron. Um <laughs> I'm not going to do... Ordinarily, we start with what's coming up on the Patreon. But as we dropped our preview episode, um, which if you haven't seen, definitely go and listen to it. It's over two and a half hours long because we apparently just love to talk. Um, So if you haven't already checked that out, please go check that out. Um, But I'm not going to go through the Patreon because we did it just two days ago. So um, there's no point me... Retreading old ground, but I want to go sort of into some news. So, today, what we're going to do is we're going to go through some news, which quite a lot's come out today which is quite interesting, especially as uh, we don't tend to podcast on a Friday, which means that we miss the newsletter, um, which has come out today. And of course is just full of stuff regarding Julia and Mercedes Monet. So we'll talk all about that in a minute. Um, And then we'll talk about the year end climax show, which uh, dropped on, I believe yesterday, went on to stardom world. um, And then we'll talk obviously in detail about dream queendom as well. Um, Now, First things first, Matt. And I know that we have already had a question about this from our dear friend, Bearded Face Killer, who says, what do you think of Meltzer constantly reporting that Julia is leaving, obviously watching live on Twitter? Um, so the Wrestling Observer Newsletter have put out that Julia right now is seen as likely to be going to WWE in 2024. Her contract expires with Stardom in March. She may not be coming in right away, but as of right now, she's leaning toward going to WWE in 2024. Now, obviously, first things first, it's wrestling. Things can change. That's that's the most important thing that I think we need to talk about. Um, uh, it was reported that she was actually in Orlando at one point, um, <laughs> like literally there already, um, and she wasn't. In November. Um, in, in November, November yeah. <laughs> Um, And then it's been reported that a contract was due in January, which it's not. It's due at the end of March. Um, And now we've got another report. Now, I'm of the belief that Julia probably is going to end up in WWE sooner rather than later. Now, we'll talk a little bit in a moment about something else that was added to the newsletter today. But there's no smoke without fire. And I feel like this story has sort of been going through the motions. It's been gathering steam. Um, Julia has not only been learning English, and we heard a little bit of that at Dream Queendom, where her English was damn near flawless, let's be perfectly honest. I, I know the chances are she's rehearsed and everything, but her English is better than mine. Um, and I am English. Um, I was going to say
2: the same thing. Too.
1: You literally took it right out of my mind. I was going to say the same thing. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she we talked in our preview episode about how she'd done an interview with, I think it was Number Mag, and she said about how, you know, she does want to wrestle in America. She hasn't made any bones about wanting to wrestle in America. There have been rumblings from people more in the know than us that there might be legs to this story. Um If she goes. I wouldn't be surprised. And if you're looking at it from a Julia perspective, the money that WWE can offer is infinitely more than she'll make in stardom. Now, that's not an NXT deal. From what I understand, the deal in stardom is worth more than an NXT deal or a dev- uh, an old developmental deal. I don't know if they're still called that. However, if she were to go onto the main roster or go straight to the main roster, then she would make considerably more than she would in stardom. And me and you were talking a little bit about this, Matt, and what the what the positives were for Julia to go to stardom. And ov- uh, Sorry, to go to WWE. The first one, obviously, is the money. But the second one as well, and I can't help but think this, you know, her... Her aim for so long was to reach the summit of stardom, was to become the World of Stardom champion. And her reign, in my opinion, was cut short wrongly. The reign was a bit of, for lack of a better phrase, a wet fart. You know, she had a great match with Suzu Suzuki. She had a good match with Mai Yukiki and then drop the belt to Tam. And I don't think any of us saw that coming, especially as, you know, Julia has been prepped as the top star in stardom since she came in in 2019. To give her three months at the top of the company is is bizarre. And I do wonder how much that has wrangled Julia as well. But, you know, again, until there is something more substantive, it is just rumour. It is just rumour. So... Matt, what do you sort of think about this? What do you think about the likelihood of us having a, Julia, a Julia-free a stardom? And of course, the big thing to point out is that March is the date that is being quoted in the Wrestling Observer, which means that Julia will not be on the Yokohama Buntai show. She will not be at All-Star Grand Queendom 2024. Now, if I'm stardom and I know that Julia is leaving, or I even have an inkling that Julia is thinking of leaving, I make sure that Julia is on that card because if you want to do big numbers on that Yokohama Buntai show, Julia needs to be in a prominent position on that card. If it's her last match, if it's a retirement match, if she, that's a last match before she goes to WWE, she needs to be on that card. If you want to sell tickets, if you want to do a good number, if you want to match the number they did this year, which was over 5,500, I think it was five five 5,600 and something. So uh, Matt, anyway, sorry. Talked a lot, please. First of all, I
2: don't think they can beat that number because I think the Yokohama they ran the Yokohama arena the this past this past year. We have the three days left of the year. This past year. And I believe the Yokohama Buntai only seats like fifty one hundred. So I don't uh, think not unless they do the Titan numbers. But regardless, uh, you want to do forty five hundred to five thousand people of you do. give our t- yeah, give our take. Um yeah uh, from what we kind of understand kind of what we were told is we knew that julia just about it we had the common knowledge that everybody had that her contract was up in march regardless of people say no it's up yesterday and she's going to be in orlando we asked uh our good friend karen peterson if she saw who lives in the orlando area <laughs> she said she did not see julia around i said you let us know you give us the scoop karen and she uh did. she did, did never heard back from her. <laughs> Yes, she was looking at the Seven Eleven and uh no could not find her but um no, that her contract was up in March. However, she kind of had like an old school promoter's handshake verbal agreement deal to work throughout the summer. That appears now that she is going to be, again, her. she did, will not extend her contract, again, kind of from what we understand and kind of what has been reported uh, numerous times to the Wrestling Observer. Again, there's some times where Meltzer gets things right, and a lot of times we all get things right and wrong, you know, but that this is so many times that this has been reported It looks like that Julian, again, I could be wrong. It is pro wrestling. Things change all the time that she will not be renewing her contract come the end of March and that uh, she kind of wants to take maybe some time off. To heal some injuries before she reports to WWE, uh, in my opinion, it'll probably be towards the end of the summer, beginning of fall, because obviously she's been working that breakneck schedule. She works that insane pace. Uh, I mean, we saw it with the match earlier today with her and Megan Bain just dropping each other's on their head back and forth, just an insane match. And we'll we'll get into it. Phenomenal stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that's probably what's going to happen is that uh, she'll finish up in March. And then we'll probably see her on WWTV maybe sometime around SummerSlam or going towards uh, the beginning of the fall of uh, 2024. Again, it's wrestling. It all can change. I hope that uh, they can kind of say, you know, you can kind of finish up in March, rest up a little, and then just come back for that Yokohama show. She doesn't even need to do press. Like, she can cut interviews. Put it on the Tron, and you can really do anything with it. You can do that dream match with Utami, we never got. Mm. You can finish the story with Tam. You know, if you want, you do Tam versus Julia. You don't need a belt, you don't need a belt. They haven't, I don't think they've ever really done one of those. If it hasn't been a five star match or for the red belt or for the white belt, and you can kind of just end it there. You can do the you know, the big Saya match that we never got. There's a lot there that you can do that you can entice Julia. Again we don't know where her head's at you know maybe that they can't again if she's not going to WWE until the end of the summer you may say okay you know you're done in March come back for the Yokohama show and we'll give you this this and this and then you know maybe hey we'll sell your merchandise from uh April until the end of the year and we'll give you a bigger cut of that or whatever I don't know I don't know how that all that works but considering the fact that she's done everything in stardom and you mentioned before partner we've talked about this on the show for the last six or seven months is that her world of stardom championship run Considering we are coming off Mayu, legendary run. Utami, legendary run. Shuri, legendary run, where stardom treats those championships, all their championships, with a lot of praise. And we were building Julia up and we've been building her up and breaking her back down and building her up, which is the proper way to build up your next star, is that she was going to be the face of the company. And she really only got one clear win Mm -hmm. in her championship run, considering the fact that everybody she lost to or didn't defeat in the five star when Julia won the world of stardom championship and a phenomenal match with at last year, dream queen, and we all sat back and said, look at all the matches she has set up for this. She lost to Hazuki, She lost to Mirai. She lost to Momo. She had a draw with Suzu Suzuki and she had a draw with Mayu. You had five matches right there that you could have ran for the next seven or eight months. And in that time you can reheat up starlight kit because it doesn't take much for them to have a great match. You can heat. Those were all fantastic things that you can do. It's just, we never got it because I think they just wanted the, Tam being the hot hand, strike while the iron's hot and go there. I don't know if that's part of why she's leaving or maybe the fact that she just had a taste of wrestling in America and the WWE machine is something absolutely huge. Well, will drew over 3,000 for them. WWE drawing anywhere between 17,000, 18,000 people every week and on Ron SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Two million people, mm-hmm. she goes to SmackDown because they're on the Fox network. Two million people are watching that show every single week. But that's a show she winds up on. That's massively bigger than anything that stardom can do. And she's going to she'll be working probably more, but she's not gonna be working these 20, 20, 20 25 minute matches where she's getting dropped on her head and vice versa. It's gonna take less taxing on her body, plus the money. Not only can WWE offer her a bigger contract, you have to understand the merchandise that they that they do, that they move between the figures and the Funko Pops and the shirts and the this or that. Now, I know a guy, Rob Goodwin, that was on the cover of the, one of those video games. His <laughs> quarterly check for that year, yes, not going to say his name, but if you Google who was on the cover of the WWE video game in 2013, his quarterly check for just the video game alone, quarterly check, was over seven figures. Now, I'm not saying Julie's going to wind up on the cover of one of these games, but just give you an idea of how much money they make just in the video games on the positive side of it for star obviously we don't want to see julia go no. if she goes obviously we want to, just like with Kyrie, we wish you the best we maybe we'll add julie into the julie Kyrie and hero watch we'll we'll see how that goes uh because the podcast needs to be longer Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but if julia's on the positive side if you look at it from a financial aspect aspect from Stardom, if julia's making this much right if she decides to resign with stardom you know she's going to ask for this so now if she goes to wwe you have all that money to play with, where you can maybe bring in, you know, depending on what happens with Mercedes to bring in Mercedes, maybe sign up you for a few more years. Sia, make sure everybody is going to be happy with what they're getting, mm. bringing in the, you know, the Nabe sisters, you, know, you can maybe, you know, sign somebody else or use that money for production, English commentary. We got two handsome guys right here. We saw it. We saw it right over here. Somebody said they're handsome. Hello. We'll draw money. Bring us in for English commentary. We'll draw money. <laughs> I'm a trained wrestler. I'll take a pile driver through the table. You know, I'm good to go on that. <laughs> I'm not a
1: trained wrestler. I'll take a pile driver through the table. <laughs> just
2: tuck your, just tuck your chin and say a little prayer, Robbie. You're all right. I got you. <laughs> tuck the chin. Um, but that's where I think it's going to go. I think that Julia is going to, we'll probably see the end of the summer, beginning of fall <clears throat> that, uh, like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think she will wind up in the WWE. Um, and I don't know. We were kind of texting back and forth. We don't want this to be how she left Ice Ribbon. If she knows now that she's going in three, four months, do the right thing. Mm. And I think the right thing would be, you know, we're looking at the pay per view schedule, the last pay per view, and the end of uh, the end of March, which might be her final show or final big show. Is that Cinderella final? We're assuming Micah will still be the champion. We're assuming even though every year we pick Micah to make it to the final four, she doesn't need to be there. Spoilers. Uh, first of all, if you're watching this, we are going to spoil the pay-per-view from earlier today by the way so we are yeah um we're assuming that micah will still be champion um and i told you i said all they got to do is copy an a get an a what happened back in 2018 you had a mega star in eo shirai who was leader of queen's quest getting ready to leave to go to wwe you had a phenomenal understudy in momo watanabe eo loses to momo the white belt and she basically gives her control of Queen's Quest, the faction that she started. And obviously, Micah is the champion. I think the proper way for her to go out, if they're not going to get her on that Yokohama show and the, her last show is going to be, uh, you know, supposedly the Cinderella final, if that's, you know, that's true, is that it needs to be her and Micah. And because Micah did call out at the end of the show, she called out Tam, she called out and yeah. she called outside, she called out Julia. I'm like, okay, we got four matches. I'm ready to go. I'm Take more of my money, stardom. You got it. No problem. But um, I think that's where uh, Julia puts her over. She puts her over clean and says, Not only are the you the world of starting champion, you were now the leader of Donald Del Mundo. Maybe at that time they bring Suzu Suzuki into DDM. As long as if whoever Suzu goes, I don't care. As long as she brings May Sarah with her. Mm-hmm. Because them as Crazy Star and considering the fact that Crazy Star uh, that Suzu did not win the red belt, that opens up something for Crazy Star. So if we get a Crazy Star versus Aphrodite match somewhere down the line. The, the the possibilities for Stardom or in twenty twenty four, my friend, they really, really are. Especially with the other little bit of news that kind of leaked out today that everybody was, everybody was freaking out about. I'm like, you guys don't see the good in this one, do you?
1: We'll be talking about that in a second. Um, yeah, I I agree. My um, I just don't want her to leave in the same way Kyrie did. In the fact that Kyrie. Came in for a you know came in in 2022 and ultimately didn't really pull anyone over, you know. Is there anybody who ultimately got the rub from Kyrie and ultimately no? And I know that's not on Kyrie. I just want to quickly point that I fully understand that. But Julia has the opportunity, as Plug Pedro says in the comments, to do the right thing. Um, (laughs) You know, thanks Pedro. Yeah, and actually, I believe that uh, the Misfit Wrestling Podcast actually said Julia should be putting over Micah before she leaves. 100%. Yes, it's all very well giving Micah what is left of Don Adalmondo, because I think at that point they will only be Tekla and May Sakurai. Um, but, you know... And her hat. And her hat. And the hat. That hat <laughs> is another its own. I mean, that... It was quite a small hat today. You you did message me. It was quite a disappointing hat today. I expected it, it to actually be like was pre- massive.
2: It was pretty big, but it should have been bigger.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like every time she wins, it needs to get bigger. You know, Black Panther, every time it gets hit, it gets more powerful. I feel like that hat needs to get bigger um and then maybe you know maybe a diving elbow drop will improve but i'm not i'm not taking any uh... it weighs it down she puts it on and it weighs <laughs> it down and comes down faster <laughs> um just go through a couple of these comments before we move on to the next bit of news so um eric vanderford says i get the impression that julia's short reign with the red bolt was a result of the weird bushy road fight management choices completely Absolutely. agree with you completely agree with you it's the only possible reason that i can possibly think that you would build Julia up for three years and then have a drop the belt after three months to Tam who didn't need it. Um uh, as I've already said, Miss Feet Wrestling Podcast says Julia should be putting Micah over. He also says, or they also say, that the January Football show was having commentary. I did not know that. Um hopefully, hopefully that'll be great. Will that be Walker Stewart? I don't know. What to ask him? Hmm. What to ask him? Um, a yeah. Well, uh, we'll ask Walker. He's a good guy. Um, notice that Micah didn't call out the real top dog. She's afraid of Fuki and death. Damn right, Brad. Damn right. Um, and then finally, John Riley says, "Be hilarious if Mercedes has been teasing a WWE return only to return to Stardom." Well, it's funny you should mention that, John Riley, because what a segue. That, look at that. Just oh. Um, Again, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and this is the thing that melted the internet for about 20 minutes. Um, Besides the new deal working with All Japan, WWE has also expressed interest in working with Stardom. Uh, Nothing is finalised, but WWE is confirmed as interested, and that comes from this week's Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Now, I know that everyone has read that and gone, oh my God, they're going to poach Mayu, they're going to poach... Natsupoy, Starlight, they're going to poach all this amazing talent from stardom and we're going to end up with the dregs of NXT. Now I know that that's what with, or you know Maya will go over and she'll end up jobbing to Chelsea Green or something like that or she'll end up being, you know, under a mask like Okada was in TNA um, Did you see that Chelsea Green before I forget, uh, did you see Chelsea Green commented on this already? No I didn't. <laughs> is it, is <laughs> Sorry, it a bad, didn't cut that yeah, dropkick? But... Is it about that (laughs) dropkick? I'll forget.
2: Somebody, somebody took the tweet from what the Wrestling Observer said. Put the freedom dropkick. If you haven't seen, just just go on Twitter anywhere. Just type in freedom dropkick to Chelsea Green. We're literally so Chelsea Green literally retweeted the two tweets and says, "If Mayu comes in, I need to talk to my agent about this." So she's selling it and putting it over.
1: Um look I know that there is a certain inherent negativity about this. Now the All Japan deal is is done. That's you know we've got NXT talent coming over. I believe it's Charlie Dempsey who's going over to challenge for the Triple Crown Championship on uh, the 3rd of January. Charlie Dempsey of course, the son of William Regal. Um and I know that that was met with um let's say negativity. Um so <sighs> I don't know. I I can understand why people are reticent and people are a bit hesitant about this deal. Now, uh, if we're going to talk about positives of a WWE and a stardom partnership, which is what we do um, because we're a positive podcast. And as Plug Pedro says, we love Matt Turner. Um, oh. I know. I know. Doesn't love me; just loves love you, you. Apparently, wow. Um, thanks, Plug Pedro. It's something you love, Rob. Mm. Too. It's it's, it's Christmas. I feel like it doesn't mean as much now. Um <laughs> <It's forced. laughs> I know. I know that we're going to focus on like say the negatives, but the positives are that a talent sharing agreement. If Julia does go to start um, to WWE, she could end up wrestling back in Stardom. You know, we could have EO. Over for a big show, you know. We could have Asuka coming over. We could have um, Kyrie come back and still not put anyone over. Um, <laughs> dude, she's already put two people, two more people on SmackDown over than she did in the entirety of a run in Stardom. I'm not okay with that. He
2: just said he was going to be positive. Sorry, so, last bit. Last bit. We booked it in completely we, we for anybody on Patreon or thinking about getting on Patreon. I guess here's my plug. We booked the entire What If. Me and Rob booked Kyrie's uh, 2022 2023 run, so there you go. Yeah, now
1: we know Asuka might. Yeah, Asuka might be a bit ambitious, but you know, we we do get a lot of talent that will come over, and you know, again, that's been positive. You know, also, WWE can use stardom to get people to a certain level, and I know that the last time this was leaked, well this was reported by the Observer, there was talk about how, well, stardom wrestles are a completely different style to WWE, so sending out NXT wrestlers on a tour in stardom is completely pointless, and, you know I, I understand that sort of situation, that scenario but anyone having reps in the ring is going to be better, is going to get better um, I can see both sides of the coin for this It hasn't started well in the NXT and All Japan partnership when you think who they could have sent over to challenge for the Triple Crown and they've sent over, you know, a relatively green Charlie Dempsey, who I'm sure is going to be fantastic in the future. Hell, William Regal is his dad. But it's not the tastiest matchup. And I can see people taking that and going, oh my God, we're going to get Nia Jax versus Mayu in the main event of the Buntai or something like that. And I know that that's where people are going to go. And with WWE's track record of playing nicely with others, I can completely understand that. We are in a different time now. You know, we are under different management, we're under different creativity in the WWE. That is untried and untested at the moment. You know, it could be the greatest thing in the world. At the moment, obviously, it's still rumour. And at the moment, it's only WWE that are showing interest. You know, if WWE is showing interest and are willing to put money into this partnership, I think Stardom will probably take it. I mean, especially if they get an EO. I mean, we've just seen EO in Japan with posing for a picture with Rossi and Mayu. I think we've got to give it time if it's a thing that is going to happen. Um... Matt,
2: what about you, brother? I there's a lot of things I say, a lot of things I live by. One of them is stop thinking about what could go wrong and start thinking what can go right. Everybody's the panic button because it's the Fed, it's the evil empire. Focus wrestling. <laughs> Support what you love. Yeah. Supported all. Like I get it. You're we're all diehard Stardom fans. Stardom is number one for you know any majority of people on their lists. I'm sure everybody that's uh, listening to this show are one or one A or one A or one B. But it's it's different management. This isn't Vince's company anymore. It's Triple H's. Triple H took over around the summertime, right when EO was getting ready to come back to stardom. Had Vince still been in charge another four or five weeks, EO would probably sign back with stardom. What did Triple H do? Brought her up to the main roster and, when one, and brought her on SummerSlam. Yeah, thanks, The tricks. very next SummerSlam. <sighs> yeah, the very next. Yeah, I understand. The very next SummerSlam, the one that just happened, what happens? EO Win, cashes in her money in the bank and wins the WWE Women's Championship. She's very heavily featured in Push on TV as well as Kyrie as well. I mean, she's she's pretty much been on every SmackDown show and SmackDown, I know, you know, because Raw was the one that started in the 90s. Raw is their flagship show, but SmackDown's on a bigger network. Such is a bigger show. So EO is being shown, we talk about it all the time on the podcast. Her segments are doing well over 2 million views per week, which is absolutely insane that, uh, that they're doing those numbers. So Rossi's not going to go into this. We know Tony Khan has been so adamant that he wants to work with AEW. He, he wants AEW and Stardom to have a partnership since they have a partnership with New Japan. New Japan is owned by Bushi Road, same company that owns Stardom. And Rossi just doesn't want anything to do with them because he doesn't trust what's going to happen. Rossi's not going to go into this having a Nia Jacks come in and squash all of Queens quests in a oh two minute gauntlet God. match. It's not Injuring going to happen. Four
1: of the five of them.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's not going to happen. He's not going to do anything. That's going to put his company in jeopardy. That's going to put his wrestlers in jeopardy, which is the most important. And it's going to put his reputation, you know, that he's ha- had for over 30 years in jeopardy and look bad against on Dabushi road, especially the fact of you know, all the bad management decisions that happened. We, we've covered that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into it. Mm. I see this as a huge plus, because and again, you may say, "Oh, they're going to send a couple people from NXT over and it'll be good." Folks, I had no idea who Mariah May was this time last year. She debuted literally this time last year. I had no idea who she was. She caught my eye. She, I was like, "That's somebody that's obviously going to catch cameras' eye." But can she work? And she was able to work pretty good, and then better, and then better, and then better, and then better. And now she has this anticipation debut coming up on AEW TV, coming sometime soon. Megan Bain was somebody else too at the end of the uh, first night of the Five Star Grand Prix. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. Okay, she's pretty good. She's built up as a monster. Has this, you know, building, 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 building. She had a great match with Tam. She had these two great matches with Julia. We'd love to see more, more Megan Bain in stardom, regardless of what her contract is or she goes to AEW. Even if she does go to AEW, I watch the AEW programming every week. I absolutely love it. I think they're doing great things over there. Uh, so if, she, if that's where she winds up, you know, God, God bless her. You know, if that's where she's happy and she makes the most money, God bless her. So there's two people that came to the stardom roster from different countries, one from over your neck of the, your neck of the woods, Rob in England, and one from my neck of the woods in America. And have absolutely blown it out of the water. And by their end of their respective runs, were able to hang with the best of the best from stardom. So you're telling me somebody that's training in NXT under a Shawn Michaels, a Matt Bloom, a Norman Smiley, a Robbie Brookside, is not going to be able to come in and start him and pick it up in three, four, five months. You know, you're nuts. Not only that, again, we've seen Io taking these pictures with Rossi. We've seen Io go to Japan quite a bit over the last two or three months. You don't think that if Rossi's going to broker this deal that he's not going to get Io Shirai back for one match. You're, I think you're completely insane. That I think she would come back for at least one match. I really, really do. Um, I think that this is only be a positive. Not only that, but then, hey, we're, let's throw a Zumi on an NXT and I always use Azumi as like the go to just because, like, okay, I have Andy Hedder, my tag partner, my good buddy who I've known forever. He just got in the stardom a few months ago and he's seen the new Japan, he's seen the all Japan, WWE, AEW. So it's like, that's my go to. Like, you, that's my go to because there's nobody like Azumi. She's special. You put Azumi in front of that hot crowd at full sale and against anybody, they're like, what is this? They've never seen anybody like her. Obviously you have the aura of Julie and Utami and stuff, so, and then the whole rosters like that. And then you're going to see, say you Ozumi does a six week tour of the WWE shows. And then you bring her and then they're like, where is she? Like she's on stardom. She's on stardom. She's on stardom because if it's a working relationship. They're going to have to plug stardom. And then she's going to take over eyes back over to stardom. And No disrespect to anybody on that roster, but then they're going to watch Ozumi, who's had, you know, matches on NXT or raw or SmackDown or whatever. And then she's gonna come back and she's gonna have matches teaming with Utami and Saya, matches with Starlight Kid, matches with Nazi Boy, and they're gonna be like, What is this? It's only to bring more eyes onto the product. So I can only see this as a good thing. I know everybody thinks abandoned shit because it's the Fed, it's the evil empire. This is a different era. It really is. When has WWE match quality been this good? It's been a long time. It has been a long, long time. This is the best WWE has been in a while. And I grew up in the Attitude Era. And I understand, like, the boom and how crazy the shirts were all everywhere. Everywhere the shirts were in the malls and whatnot. You go back and watch some of those matches, they really don't hold up. It was more or less crash TV. It was good entertainment. But it was entertainment for that era where you could not take your six- or seven-year-old brother or, or son or daughter to a 1998 taping a rock just, you just couldn't do it you just couldn't do it i'm lucky enough that that was my like my teenage year so it was like it was okay, you know that's what it, i that's yeah. what i was looking for early. yeah so it's um it's a completely different era and not of that but triple h you have to understand when vince took over wrestling 40 40 some years ago he put the territories out of business now that triple h had and it made wrestling what it is today like it or not, we would not be seeing these WrestleManias in front of 70,000, 80,000 people every year. wouldn't be a you know, global company. Wrestling exploded because of Vince, Vince, what Vince has been able to do over the past 40 years. Now Triple H is taking over. It's like, well, what can I do that my father-in-law has never done before? Maybe I'll bring back some of the territories doing the All Japan. You try, try to get the NXT UK thing, which kind of was like hit or miss, working with All Japan. And Triple H loves... Pushing the women's division, he really does. Where's the best women's wrestling in the world, Stardom? So I can only see this as a good thing. I understand what people think like the ship is sinking, Stardom's going under in six months. Guys, it's not that way. It's not Triple H just only wants to wrestle. Nobody's beating WWE. Nobody's beating them. They're such a juggernaut. They're not even. No one's even close to them. Again, Vince took this over 41 years ago, with the exception of a year and a half that WCW uh, dominated them in the ratings. Vince has been number one for over 40 years. You know, his his company, WWWF. I can only see this as a good thing for a startup. And I really hope it goes through for a myriad of reasons that I said, you know, obviously, to get more eyes on the product come after this deal is going three, four months. But the fact that there's a very real possibility that sometime in 2024, we have EO back in a stardom ring. Rob, can you imagine maybe my ultimate one of the first Patreon episodes we did was us booking our dream stardom card. And I think my main event was EO. Mayu and Kairi, versus Azumi, Saya and Utami. That is a real possibility if this deal goes through in the next twelve to eighteen months.
1: It's certainly worth thinking. Again, at the moment, it is just rumor conjecture, um, and Stardom I haven't officially signed anything. I do agree with Miss um, Fit Wrestling Podcast who said that Pommy thinks that EO could have been there to sort of help talk about the deal with rossi it would make sense i know that both of us have said that before haven't we i think as well um i put up um brad's comment before about um the way that wwe treated the uk indie scene um and i do understand that obviously living in the uk wwe rinsed every company of their top talent to put into NXT UK, put a load of companies out of business, and then NXT UK sort of fell by the wayside. And a lot of that was to do with the pandemic. Completely, you know, completely agree with that. Um, but, you know, WWE have a lot of bad publicity that they've got to sort of get by, get get over, should I say, if they're working with other companies. Um yeah, let's let's move on from this. Um, the one last thing I want to say is, don't forget that you know WWE are openly trying to push or have a better. What's the word I'm looking for? Have a better, sort of be seen to be treating foreigners better or foreign talent. Better and that seems to be part of the edict at the moment. You've got Io Shirai as women's champion. You've got Shinsuke Nakamura who's been repushed at the top of the card. He's just had a um, world heavyweight championship program with Seth Rollins. He's in a storyline now with Cody Rhodes. So WWE are actively trying to sort of work through the terrible, uh, terrible reputation they've got when booking foreigners that has plagued them since pretty much their entire run if i'm being perfectly honest yeah when you when you consider that the yeah. on, before eo the only uh, the only sort of world champion that was japanese was a big hawaiian guy called yokozuna so that sort of goes some way to uh, sort of showing, showing the uh, showing the love that uh, they gave them. Anyway, let's move on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Tam. Um, Tam obviously came back um, at this show at Dream Queendom. Um, decided to drop a promo that because I don't speak Japanese, I thought for all the world she'd retired because she got really upset. Thankfully, she hasn't retired. Um, she's ready to come back, and we've had a little bit of news. She did an interview with Kakato Log just after her um, promo at Dream Queendom, where she came out. Um, And thank you to our friends, Scotty Wrestling and Shigio on Twitter, who I've managed to translate bits of it. Scotty Wrestling says that Tam plans to be at the January 8th show in Anjo, her hometown. So we will see more of Tam. Hopefully she's going to be popping up at more shows and just sort of getting re familiar with people um and then shigio has said that tam aims to be making a comeback by cherry blossom season which is late march early april so we're looking at post cinderella time is when tam is looking to make an appearance and i said on the preview that we want tam to be okay that's that's the main thing you know, when she's struggled as much as she's openly said she did after the injury, you know, she's contemplated retirement. She does does say in this promo that it was the fans, the people in stardom that helped bring her back. The fact that she won the Tokyo Sports Wrestling Award, it reignited a passion for it. Um, but it's worth, you know, what do you think about this, Matt? <laughs> I'm
2: happy she's back i'm happy she's back it didn't seem like some of the interviews she's been doing over the past week or two it didn't seem like she was hinting at retirement um we mentioned last week rossi took her out for a nice lunch tam took pictures of the lunch looked very expensive but kudos to you rossi for ah, taking her out to the nice place yeah that was very well played you know i'm sure rossi's no amateur he knows how to treat some of the top stars took her out for a nice expensive dinner and uh, probably was like hey what do you think about coming back Yeah, she had a very emotional promo and she watched I mean, they kept showing her, especially the last two matches. So she was very intent on watching, especially those last two matches. She had a vested interest, and in I'm sure she had a lot of like, "Oh, I can't wait to get back there! Mm. I can't wait to get back there!" Because those, the, the, this crowd was a pretty rowdy crowd, um, you know, with over three thousand people in Sumo Hall. So I didn't know that about the uh, interview you just talked about. So she's probably, you know, maybe she'll come back at the Cinderella final, making that show even bigger. That's Julia's last show, and then maybe that'll take the momentum going into uh, all-star grand queendom and we may possibly see if you're asking me how would i book that uh to me that's a slam dunk aphrodite title defense against melt here uh mm-hmm. i think great. that would be the way to go for there but yeah i would have her maybe return uh, to that cinderella final show to kind of bridge going into uh, that big show we're going to try to draw 4,500 to 5,000 people but i'm glad she's back she's creating some buzz i'd like to see her back on some of these shows maybe just coming in uh you know seconding you know Sayori uh we obviously not support. it looks like she's ready to make a return and uh obviously with Yuna Mizumori as well, you know, I think that'd be, I think would be something big for Yuna, Yuna who's eating a lot of L's, but it's phenomenal in the ring. It'd be nice to see her maybe seconding her, kind of giving her advice and maybe seeing Yuna picking up some more, some wins in these quote unquote house shows. You can say, well, that's because now Tam is there, you know, to kind of maybe guide her where she was maybe where she should have zigged. She should have zagged. Now she's picking up some wins. I think that'd be really cool and show her, you know, as the leader of cosmic angels, considering the fact that, you're going to be without, you know, she's been out since October. If she's not coming back to March, you're out with a leader of your faction for, you know, the better part of six months. At least maybe she can kind of coach from the sidelines. Um, and I think that's the whole entire reason why Sayori won the Wonder Arm Championship, buddy. She had the moves in the, it was, she believed in Tam and had the power boy there,
1: you know, so. Honestly, you and that bloody Tam Road. Brad's also the same. (laughs) At least we finally got an idea of a possible return time so that we can once again walk the Tam Road. I walk uh, all the time, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) and Bjorn says, obviously, that's if Natsa Pui's back by by then to have a Natsu to have a Melty versus Aphrodite match. Again, I'm under the impression that, or what I'm led to believe is that Natsa Pui's injury, she hasn't had to have surgery on the neck. So I don't believe her or Utami had to have surgery on their necks. I believe they were just going to rehab them. So fingers crossed, Natsupoi will be okay sooner rather than later. Obviously, that's pure, pure speculation on my part. It, I don't know what the injury was. But the fact that it didn't need surgery has to be a positive. I'd like to think that Maltier will be back by All-Star Grand Queendom. Um... I'd also like to think that if I was booking Stardom, you know, you're coming off the worst glut of injuries I think you've ever seen in your company for ones that have happened simultaneously. Don't rush anyone back. If Tam said that her time frame is late March, early April, do you know what? Play it safe. Have her come back at All Star Grand Queendom. It's Tam's return match. You know, like they've done with Mayu. For all intents and purposes, Mayu could have come back a week before. But she didn't. She came back at Dream Queendom and it was sort of something that they could push as a major talking point, a major selling point of the pay-per-view. So why not do that with Tam? And if Natsapoy is fit, you could have a Meltia tag team match. You know, have Meltier versus I don't know Aphrodite as a non-title match or something like that, but don't rush anyone. Back, you've already started doing well in culling all of the pay per views up to April. We've been through it, and we're going to go through it again on this um, episode about how they are basically sticking to one pay per view a month, and that's what we have got up to April, the end of April. So don't then rush people back from injury. Um, and I know the temptation is going to be there because if you're, especially if you are losing Julia, that's a top top talent. Um, yeah. So. I do understand that but ultimately let's hope that common sense prevails. Um we've got a couple more comments um so Neil Kapelka says only the best restaurants for Rossi vice Rossi vice shirts by the way as you can see are available now <laughs> on our merch store. Um, they've come out extremely well make sure you go to the merch store get them now Um, they look incredible Um, and then here we go so Misfit Wrestling Podcast says Utami and Poi had cervical hernia injuries Um, I did know that I didn't know the severity of them so how i don't also don't really know how long they take to recover um i know they've got back-to-back pay-per-views on jan 3rd and jan 4th but obviously we talked about that last episode where we said yeah but this is sort of tail off from the last regime you know venues are booked you've paid deposits on venues you can't just pull them you can't advertising, just cancel them. Yeah, yeah. advertising exactly <laughs> so and the fact that they are doing something completely different for january 3rd completely makes sense they've pulled the round robin format of the triangle derby all makes sense um uh, what else have we got i think that is everything for now that i want to talk about but i do just briefly want to talk about two more things before we head into our um reviews of the two shows the first of which is that the stardom fourth annual end of year awards are ready to go. As soon as this stream ends, they are going to be up and live. There will be a link in the description of this video. There'll be a link in the podcast. Um, and then there will also be a link on Twitter pinned and all those sorts of things. You can find them. As before, there are eight Categories. I'll quickly go through those categories. Now we've got who's the wrestler of the year, and you can choose from anyone on the roster. Now, within reason, obviously Jaggy Yakota is not on here, and neither is Dump Matsumoto. If they've only wrestled one or two matches, um, they're not on here. I'm I'm extremely sorry about that. Billy Death isn't on here. Fuki Death is because she is the uncrowned wrestler of the year. Same with um most improved. Um, And then we have got our match of the year, okay? So these are the matches that have been picked, okay? And I'm sure that people in the comments will absolutely rinse me because I'll have forgotten a really obvious match. But this took me ages, so behave. Right, so here we go. We've got Mayu versus mercedes Monet from All-Star Grand Queendom, Mina versus Saya from All-Star Grand Queendom, Tam versus Julia from All-Star Grand Queendom. Um, match of the year, it is worth pointing out, is just singles matches. Okay, it's not tags. We've got a separate one for I tags. Up.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because he, Rob sent me the list of about an hour before recording. He said, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm looking, I was like, oh, he doesn't have that Queen's Quest cage match on there. And I was like, hold on, it's the next thing. So I like how Rob broke it up. He has tag match, like multi-person matches and singles matches. So you can have your cake and eat it too, folks. There you
1: go. Um so we've also got Mari versus Cioriano 2 Mari versus Cioriano 1 Mike versus Suzu Suzuki from Dream Queendom, Julia versus Suzu Suzuki from Supreme Fight Saikamatani versus Suzuki from Triangle Derby 1 I've just seen that someone has commented on that So yes that one is in there because it is one of the best matches in in wrestling in 2023, in my humble opinion. Azumi versus Starlight Kid from that same show. Mirai versus Moma Watanabe, Nagoya Golden Fight. Um, Micah versus Suzu Suzuki from the five-star Grand Prix. Suzu Suzuki versus Suri for the five-star Grand Prix. I'm only whizzing through these. Obviously, you can read these um, at your own leisure when you are voting. Um, we've also got um, Natspoy versus Mina from Fukuoka Goddess Legend, Tam versus Mina from Flashing Champions, Chihiro Hashimoto versus Suri from All-Star Grand Queendom. Seems like ages ago, that show. Um, <clears> Hazuki <throat> versus Suzu Suzuki from Nagoya Big Winter, Azumi versus Julia from Nagoya Big Winter, Mayu versus Tam from the Five Star, Kairi versus mercedes Monet. No, that's technically a New Japan match, but... Yeah. Um Mercedes versus Suzuki versus Azumi from Sakura Genesis. Mayu Wibutani versus Utami from Stardom X Stardom. Um Natsupui versus Shuri from the five star Grand uh, five star Grand Prix, Julia versus Cioriano from the Five Star Grand Prix, Hazuki versus Mayu from the Five Star Grand Prix, and then Mirai versus Tam Nakano from Midsummer Champions 2023, which I will be perfectly honest, Matt and this is horrible, but I forgot even happened. Um In terms of the tag match of the year, slightly fewer matches, but Queen's Quest versus a weather tie cage match. Calm yourself down, Matt. Um, Seven. There you go. Seven Kairi versus Waksukiyama and Tam Nakano from New Blood Premium. Divine Kingdom versus Aphrodite from Nagoya Big Winter. Julia and Suzu Suzuki versus Micah and Utami from Dream Tag Festival, which is another show I forgot happened, but actually the tag matches on that show were really good. Um another one, Mayu and Saki Kashima versus Starlight and Azumi. Uh Meiseira and Suzu Suzuki versus Natsupoy and Suoriano from Night 14 of the five-star Grand Prix. Aphrodite versus Momo Watanabe and Natsukatora from Dream Queen, in which we're going to talk Talk about Jaguar, Yokota, Momo, Nakanishi, and Nanai Takahashi versus Starlight Kid, Momo, Watanabe, and you from the Midsummer Fes show. Um, The first of the generational struggle matches um, Julia, Mayu, Tam, and Suri versus Utami, Saya, Suzu, Suzuki, and Micah. The Barry Barry Bombers versus Restart from Flashing Champions. Mayu, Hazuki, Kogama versus Julia, Tecla, and Micah from the Golden Week Fight Tour, the one where Mayu jumps off the bus. Prominence versus restart from All-Star <laughs> Grand Queendom ALK versus My Himmy um in um uh, Himika's last My Himmy match Prominence versus Utami Saya and Azumi from the Cinderella Tournament night 3 great match really good match that gets buried um Prominence versus Suri, Mirai, and Amisuri from the Triangle Derby finals. Mike and Utami versus Suri and Mayiwibutani, which, if you remember, was a match that they cobbled together, but I can't remember why. There was a reason that they sort of put this dream tag match together, but that was from Triangle Derby 1 in Nagoya. And then finally, you've got Maihimi versus Seven up from supreme fight 2023 you've got a whole list of shows to choose from most of the pay-per-views are on there i'm not going to go through all of them um and then shorter categories have also got feud of the year um which goes like this julia versus tam um queen's quest versus a tie suzu suzuki versus micah julia versus ghosts of ice ribbon past Mina Shirakawa versus Tam Nakano, Sai Kamatani vs. Hazuki, Sioriano versus, um, versus Natsupoi, Wakasukiyama versus Nanai Takahashi, um, and then the big two for me are Stardom versus Injuries and Wakasukiyama versus the Cosmic Angels Dance. I feel like those are two big feuds from uh, from Stardom this year. And I know this one, for me, is really important, the moment of the year. Because there's so many people focusing on the negatives this year, it's important to remember that actually Stardom have had some banging, banging moments this year. So the moments are, Stardom pull in their biggest house at Yokohama Arena, Mercedes-Monet debuts in Stardom, Mayu Iwitani wins the IWGP Women's Championship, Tam becomes a double champion, Mirai wins back-to-back Cinderella tournaments, Suzu Suzuki wins the five-star, Himika retires from wrestling, Mirai wins the Wonder of Stardom Championship, Azumi defeats Julia in under a minute in the five-star Grand Prix, the debut of the Triangle Derby tournament, Kairi brings Sayoriano into Stardom, IWGP Women's Championship is defended at the Tokyo Dome don't Matt don't comment on it um, I'm in a
2: really good mood today brother, don't you worry <laughs> about it that's going to sway me
1: Orianu winning the Wonder of Stardom Championship and then obviously Micah winning the Red Belt as well and then just voting for your favorite faction. So, again, those will all be live. Get your votes in. They will close on January the 4th, Tokyo Dome Day. And we'll be going through those results and giving our picks as well on those times. So... With that being said, let's kick into our reviews because we've been going an hour, Matt, and we haven't actually talked about any of the wrestling. We probably should. Um, So we're going to start with our review of Year End Climax 2023 um, from Christmas Eve from Corrigan Hall, Tokyo. 765 people in attendance. It's the second lowest Corican Hall attendance for Stardom this year. I believe they've run it 14 times. This is second lowest. Again, I'm not sure how how much of an impact being on Christmas Eve will have or if it's just that people weren't into the card or if it's the holidays. I I don't know. Um, But there we are. On this card, the results are as follows. Singles match. Maceira defeats Yuzuki in uh, 8 minutes and 36 seconds with a drop kick. Hanan defeats Hanaka with the Hanan special in 6 minutes and 12 seconds. The Dona team of Tekla and Sakurai defeated the Stars team of Yuzuki and Sayida with Sakurai defeating Sayurida...
2: But she didn't do it with the double drop.
1: <laughs> Hashtag pray for Saya uh, with the mypan roll in <laughs> nine minutes and twenty two seconds. We had a three way match then. Uh, Saki Kashima defeated Unimizumori and Mina Shirakawa with the Kish Kasai in six minutes and fifty six seconds, pinning Unimizumori after Mina did all the work in true Saki Kashima style because she's fantastic. Um, we then had seven up. Defeating Godzai, Nanai Takahashi, and you defeating Suri and Amisori, because of course they did. Nanai Takahashi pinning Amisori with the Nana Raka in 13 minutes and 31 seconds, because of course she did. 12-woman elimination tag match. Queen's Quest. Defeat Awetitai, Utamihai, Shishto, Sayakamitani, Azumi Lady C, Hina and Mio Amasaki. Defeated the Awetitai team of Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Rino Ruaka and Fukikin Death. Sayakamitani last eliminating Momo Watanabe with a Frankensteiner over the top rope in 19 minutes and 56 seconds. And then in our main event, six-woman tag team match, Suzu Suzuki, Megan Bain and Sioriano defeated Julia, Micah and Mirai, with Megan Bain pinning Julia in 21 minutes and 17 seconds with the F5. And that was where I wanted to start with this, match because the main event was fantastic for a start, as was the semi-main as well. And I know you've just put your notes in order, and I've completely screwed up that order. I apologize. But I don't think Julia has eaten actual pieces eaten an actual pinfall since the five-star Grand Prix. Julia does not give up pinfalls. So, for Megan Bain to pin her clean here was a real signal of intent. It did cement the fact that she wasn't beating Julia at the pay-per-view, admittedly. But Julia doesn't eat pay per views. Not even in build ups does she eat pay per views and, and eat pins, sorry, in six woman tags and eight woman tags. So to have Megan Bain pin her clear and dominate her in the way she did during during this match was really, really quite impressive, Matt.
2: Yeah, but how genius and easy is the booking to follow? Cork and Hall, regardless, they drew it under 800 people. It was a great show, hot crowd. You're five days away from your championship match. Megan Bain defeats Julia with the F5 right in the middle of the ring, clean as a whistle, gets the promo time. It's your main event. So now you have Julia as the champion, as the underdog. What did Julia do today? To a Northern Lights bomb and choked out Megan Bain. So by this loss here, the middle of fame Cork and Hall, it makes Julia just build Julia up more for that match, which was a great match, which we'll get into, and then getting the win. It's simple, simple booking. Pro wrestling can be so simple sometimes. It really, really can. And I'll get into it when we talk about the psychology of that Aphrodite versus XL match. But genius booking, and really what this match was is they had great tag work, it was great chemistry. I liked it how it started with, like, Julian Megan Bain went this way, and then uh, Micah and Suzuki went this way. And then Mariah and Sierra knew they shook hands and they wrestled. So you have a brawl on this side, a brawl on that side. And then you have these two fantastic wrestlers going. So no matter which way you look, you're going to be entertained. And I thought this was great. And really what this was, it's to sell more tickets, sell more pay-per-views, sell more subscriptions to Stardom World. And they did it because this match was great. This show was was pretty soft, but these last three matches were incredible. And I think I texted you. I said, hey, man, I know you're getting up early to watch the, um, the pay-per-view. You get time, make sure you watch these last two matches because they will make the pay-per-view even more intense. And I don't know um, if you watch the entire clip, because I know sometimes with a few minutes left, I'll shut it off. But after the match was over, Mike and Susan Suzuki brawled all the way to the back in Cork and Hall and all the way down the steps. So it's like we're really putting emphasis on this main event, which was phenomenal. And they did a great job building this match up, considering the fact it was probably supposed to be Saya. And Tam, I think that was the original uh, plan for the main event of the show that we just watched, um, you know, back in the summer. But, yeah, Julia putting over, it's a rarity. It's very rare, which is why we're taking time on the podcast to talk about it. It's to build her opponent, Megan Bain, up. Because if Megan Bain is here and Julia beats her, well, Julia's is here. But because of what Julia did in this match and how great Megan Bain is, now Megan Bain is here. What did Julia just do? Julia just beat Megan Bain, so now Julia, you can't you can't see my hands, but you know where I'm going. Now Julia's even bigger and better because she defeated the person that that beat her five days ago. She overcame the person that beat her. She basically slayed the dragon. And folks, wrestling can be that simple. It really, really can. I thought it was genius booking for what was a phenomenal match.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, Julia has made Megan Bain because you think about the Megan Bain that debuted at the five-star, had that match with Tam, which was which was good, but it was just good. And you sort of had the impression that Megan Bain was going to be that flash in the pan. Okay, she's a monster. She's already been beaten. What are you going to do now with her? And actually, I think she's one of the success stories of this year because from... Not only was she getting organic support here, she was also getting really good support at the pay-per-view. And she was doing a job that well that the usually imperious Julia was getting crowd chants. Which, you know, just it it goes to show that both women did a fantastic job. Um, And if you look at all of Megan Bain's sort of pay-per-view matches, she had a great match with Tam. Had an even better one when she tagged with Micah against Aphrodite. Thought that was really good. They kept her strong by it being via miscommunication that she got pinned. And then here it took two Northern Lights bombs and a physical choking out for her to lose. So even though, yes, Julia is a climb that mountain here, and yes, they did a fantastic job in this build-up tag, which is exactly what these build-up tags should be used for, I think Megan Bain has actually come out of that feud the better. Because, again, she got so much support as she left the ring before the next challenge came in for Julia. I think they did a fantastic job with that. Siorianu and Mirai, we knew that they were going to have a fantastic match. They continued to just do what they do. You've got Mirai, who hits hard, and Suorianu, who doesn't have a spine, apparently. Um, and then you've got Micah and Suzu Suzuki, who just went any sort of wrestling and just wrestled with vitriolic hatred up into the crowd, just beat the living hell out of each other. And it was fantastic. And those different dynamics made this match incredibly, incredibly enjoyable. And yes, I know that there wasn't title matches on this Corican. And that's something that is a bugbear of mine, especially if you are, you know, regular listeners to the podcast, you know that I'm, I'm, very much of the opinion they should be making Corrigan Hall special, especially year-end climax, which for so many years was such a huge show on Stardom's calendar, and it's sort of fallen off the last couple of years with the advent of pay-per-views in the Stardom calendar, but stuff like this, you know, building... This was this was a good card, even if it didn't have any titles on. And I know that we're going to talk about the twelve woman elimination match, which was also incredibly entertaining and actually had quite a few little little story points that we can go into in a moment. But before we go into that twelve woman tag, what else on this card match should people be checking out?
2: Um, watch the uh, Seven Up, Nanae uh, Takahashi and Yu versus Sherry and Ami Story. That was really, really good. They did a great job, even though, and again, they built uh, you and, uh, not you, not you, well, maybe you, Rob. uh, They built up Ami very good in the match, only to beat her. Again, if they don't do anything, if they're not selling or if they're not putting this over, who do they beat? They didn't beat anybody, but they did a great job making Ami look good. Uh, just comes there just blistering kicks with Nanai and uh, Ami Sorry, Again, the first few matches, you know, they were good. They were fun. They were entertaining. But if you're you're, uh, pressed for time, definitely just go watch the the final three matches. You know, the guys I team, again, of Ami and Sherry versus Seven Up and uh, the, the the elimination match with QQ versus the tie in the main event we just talked about. But I really, really enjoyed the um, the, uh, the that tag match.
1: Yeah, and uh, obviously the three-way was really good fun as well. Um, and <laughs> Venk, and Bjorn, Venk and Bjorn says, Saki Kashima is smart. Let the rookies do the work. Reap the rewards. <laughs> Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Saki Kashima is fantastic. I love the fact that even though she's no longer in a tie, she hasn't foregone that side of her wrestling just because <laughs> she's part of God's Still Eye. I, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so good. And then she goes into interviews and says that she wrestles clean. She's, she's so good. But because it's, And I've said this before. It's not because she tries too hard. She's effortlessly funny. And the way that... You know, we're gonna talk about it in Dream in the Dream Queendom review. She just refused to get in the ring and was posing on the side of the ring, waiting for everyone else to wrestle. It was she's great. She's fantastic. We do not deserve Saki Kashima. Um, this Queen's Quest versus a weather time match then was another really, really good build-up of the feud there. And a couple of points I wanted to bring up. Obviously, Saya Kamatani eliminating Momo Watanabe. Huge, really big for Saya. But obviously, Miyu Amasaki eliminating Rina as well, which sort of points to the fact that Miyu Amasaki might be the next challenger for Rina's future belt. And if that is a match they are doing, especially with how much they seem to be pushing Miyu at the moment, because Miu seems to be getting a lot of pinfalls, it wouldn't surprise me if Miu actually takes the belt off Rina. And I know that we are of the opinion that Hina should hold it as well because we do feel quite sorry for her because she does seem to be left out quite a lot. I quite like the idea of Miyu Amasaki as champion. Now, I know that she had that injury that sort of derailed her progress a little bit, but recently, I think she's really, really, really improved. Really improved. And we saw in um, the opener, from today's pay per view, which, by the way, what an opener! That's what I want to the start Ooh. of every pay per view. Sod these rumbles off. No, these sorts of matches. I mean, we're blessed with fantastic rookies this in this um, in this class, but that's beside the point. Um, Mia Yamasaki was interested in leading them. Was interested in leading that match, and I think that goes some way to showing the level of of growth that she's had over the last couple of uh, of months. Certainly. Um... Uh, also, it's worth noting that uh Fukin Death was almost the winner. Um, because, and I cannot stress enough, it's a multi-woman match. <laughs> Fuki and Death does well in multi-women matches. She does, man. She does. Um, but this was, in all seriousness, a very, very, very good entertaining match, Matt.
2: Yeah, you mentioned uh may as well mention it now, then we'll hold it for the uh for match <laughs> for the June Queen and preview, is that um yeah, nobody really kicked out of the O'Connor role, but now all of a sudden, somebody today learned how to crack the code. And we'll get into it. We'll oh, hold yeah. that thought. Oh, God, had, yes. Oh, crack the code, did she? <laughs> oh, did she? Oh, howdy. But this was great. <laughs> You're not kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is really good. I, I never get tired of seeing these Queen's Quest versus Ouedo tie matches. And again, I know Tommy going into this tag match that we saw today was like, I want to put this behind me. And they put the exclamation point on it. And again, we'll get into that later. This is really good stuff back and forth. Literally to the point where you didn't know where they were going to go with it. Because I figured, well, maybe they'll have a Ouedo tie win here because I had a good feeling that QQ were going to come out of the tag match, but then it's just really to kind of just build up, you know, the uh, build up Utami a little bit more, obviously her and Saya coming back, but yeah, the Miyu pinning Rena thing it, it sets up for that match. And Rena, who's always been pretty good, who's always been good. And then ever since winning the future belt, we've seen kind of different level where like, it's like, okay, here's another one, very young teenager, very, very good. And just like, you know, and I think Hina and we'll get into her. I thought Hina was the MVP of her, of her match that I really, really did. Maybe that's a match somewhere down the line, or maybe Miu takes the belt, and we have a Miu Miu versus Hina match. I got no problem with that, but um, you have Arena who's gotten really good over the last six months, and Miu is having really good over the last six months. You don't necessarily need to put that match on a new blood show. Put that on a Corican show. Put it on, you know, one of these random – put them on a KBS All show. You know, you can put that really anywhere. It's got proper buildup. Give that thing 10, 12 minutes. Let those two wrestlers – Go out there and do and, and show why Stardom started with such a loaded roster. And this way, you have somebody, Rena, who's kind of lower on the card, and have a Boedo tie, and Miyu, who's all kind of lower on the card with Queen's Quest, and show them, like, hey, you know, in a year or so you can push me up somewhere where maybe I can get a little higher on the card, get some of those main events or semi main events and they can be trusted. But yeah, miyu has been great. rena has been great. I want to see that for the future of stardom championship, give it 10, 11, 12 minutes and just, you know, let them do what they need to do and go show everybody why they are the future of stardom.
1: Yeah. I'll, you know what I've said before about how, there should be sort of tile matches there, sort of exclusively Corican. And uh, Plo Pedro said with one less pay per view, most likely Corican should be bigger. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Great, great idea, buddy. Um, yeah, and I think as well, you know, the art I keep coming back to that Cosmic Angels run in 2021 with the Artist of Stardom belts, where they were almost exclusively defended in the main event of Corican Hall shows, and it just it gave the Corican Hall shows meaning, and that's that's what I want. But that aside, you know, don't forget there was no. Future of Stardom Championship defense at New Blood 12. Um, Rina and Ruwaka were in a th- sort of a throwaway tag match in the middle of the card. Um, and it was the New Blood tag tiles that main evented. Great match, by the way. Um, Wingori versus the Raiwa Tokyo Towers. But there was no future belt thing there so yeah absolutely throw it on a kbs hall show throw it on a corican do something with it that's that's not an issue um and especially with all these rookies coming in as well and the caliber of the rookies as well you know it makes for an exciting division and i feel like stardom have been waiting for an influx of talent for that future of stardom division because once Rena dropped the belt there was literally heena and That was it, because <laughs> there was literally no one. So obviously Ayazakor is injured. Hanako was in that division. I think Momo Kogo might just still qualify. Miyu Amasaki just might still qualify. But now that we've had these uh, these rookies in, it's it's all good. It's all good. Rob, it's
2: wrestling. You can bend the
1: rules. Just put it on Mayu. You know what I mean? Well, if if Fuki and Death can challenge for the S W A belt because she is, I and I quote an alien, then we can have a slight change in the uh, in the future rules.
2: Bill can definitely wrestle one or two matches, so Stop technically it. she's a rookie. Stop
1: it. Stop it. Stop it.
2: <laughs> you now. brought it up, brother. You brought it up. You brought it up. I, I'm just going with
1: you. I'm walking to Tam Road with you. You are. You are. <laughs> um, and Vankan actually says, I just wonder sometimes if Stardom wants to sign Haruka Rumasaki, because they bought her in yeah. a lot. Um, Haruka Rumasaki is week. great haruka rumasaki is great when she is herself karma was a failed experiment which it seems that they've canned which i'm I'm quite happy about because there's no need for someone who i believe is 20 there's no need for her to have an alter ego just let her wrestle <laughs> as herself and she's proved on multiple occasions wherever she's wrestled you know in diana or wherever that she is a very 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 good wrestler so if stardom are trying to get haruka rumasaki brilliant i am all for that um i'm sure i think it's diana she's um signed with i'm sure they'll probably have uh, something to say about that but that's by the by um anything else you want to say about this elimination tag match matt before we kick straight into this dream queendom review say comment I'm going to tone down my style. Now I know you're not doing the 450. (laughs) She did a hurricanrana with her back towards the crowd. It was flawless as well. It was so well executed.
2: And credit to Momo Watanabe for taking that bump perfectly. Mm. When you have something like that, and we saw it in the main event of this pay-per-view where they did like the rana spot through a table where it didn't come off 100%, but whatever, Um, where this was just absolutely perfect. So obviously Sai is doing the majority of the work. But Mo, you have to trust your 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 partner. So good on Momo for catching, timing, and going over the rope. So a great elimination match. We've seen a lot of them over the past few months. I like it when they throw them in there because it's something different. It's something like, where it's like. don't blink. Don't look at your phone. Don't, you know, you know make sure the cat's not jumping on the Christmas tree. That's happened to me a lot this year. Okay. But because uh, you have to watch because you don't know who's going to get eliminated or who's going over the top rope. And they do a great job when they have your main eventers, your Julius, your Tommy's, your Mayus in these matches where they're going over the top rope. And it's like, okay, well, who's left? And the fact that there's a chance that Fook Death could have came away here as the victor, it really makes you think, like, who's going to be your sole survivor? So, uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. Very well done. Just uh, just kind of quick um, stardom scales. The um, the uh, Amisori Shiri versus 7-Up match, I had that at four stars. This elimination match, I had three and three-fourths. In the main event, I had four and a quarter stars. I thought the main event, just, just based on how intense it was in the heat in Cork and Hall. I had it at four stars, but I bumped it up to four and a quarter. But uh, no, all in all, another great cork and show uh, from Stardom.
1: That's Japanese tables. They never truly break, says Vancom Bjorn. Well, it mm. is worth knowing that we know exactly how hard Japanese wood is, my friend. And with that bombshell, we move on to Dream <laughs> Queendom. <laughs> Um, Dream Queen, which of course has just happened, I do encourage if you haven't already seen the pay per view, don't listen to the review because obviously there's going to be spoilers. Um, this is this is your warning. Um, but in all seriousness, for me, this pay per view needed to be good. It needed to be good. I feel like with everything that's gone on, the the confusion backstage, the upheaval backstage in Bushy Road fight, and with you know. Sort of a lot of discontent from quite a few people, you know, and not just, I'm not talking about fans, I'm talking about wrestlers, you know, Mayu's spoken out about it, Julia's spoken out about it, and with a lot of emphasis being put on trying to put things right, this pay-per-view needed to hit, and it did, it did, it was a fantastic show a really really good show one of stardom's shows of the year if not the show of the year for me at least is between this and all-star grand queendom um there wasn't a single match on this card including an opener that had four rookies in it that i would ask or encourage anyone to skip the entire show considering it's like a pay-per-view it was done in four hours which was really quite impressive. There didn't seem to be any sort of preamble or chat or anything like that from the Japanese commentary team. We were straight into that main event. Uh, sorry, that f- opening match, that opening six woman. So, yeah, I- it was a great, great pay-per-view. And we're obviously going to be talking and breaking it down a little bit at a time. But the first thing that I wanted to talk about, Matt, is obviously 29th of the 12th, 2023. This morning, Dream Queendom 2023. Koku Gikan, Tokyo. Nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> three thousand and sixty-three people in attendance. Now we obviously we're putting a lot of stall in attendances, and I know we talk about attendances. It's worth noting that and I know people will go, Oh well, it's nothing on last year, where I think they drew three thousand eight hundred. Um and you know, I know that people were sort of hoping for four thousand and things like that, so I just wanted to read out a couple of numbers, okay? For a start, this outdrew the first Dream Queendom. Only by about 30 people. Um, in fact, this one drew 3,063. 2021's Dream Queendom drew 3,039. So it did outdraw that show. Now, that might be inflation. I don't know. But it did look pretty full in uh, in the show. And I know that Velkic was there, so he might be able to tell us. Um, whether it was that or whether it was paid, but I've got a feeling it was probably around that number. But that is also the fifth highest-drawing stardom show, single-promoted, so not counting Historic Crossover. That's the fifth um, highest-attended stardom sole-promoted show. And if you are of the very popular belief that um, the champion fiesta Goku, Cinderella in 2013 was not the 5,500 people that they advertised and was more like 2,000 um, than is actually the fourth largest show in Stardom history. So yes, it is significantly less than the 3,808 people they drew last year, but Stardom was coming off an absolutely blistering year in 2022. 2023 has been a rough year for stardom, undoubtedly, especially the second half. The first half was okay. The second half was a little bit rough with injuries and whatever. But I feel like we've started this new era. We're going into 2024, this turning of the page, in the best possible way. We have a new red belt champion. We have a new white belt champion. Mayu's back. Starlight Kid's back. Aphrodite are back. Tam is coming back. Natsupoy is coming back. Everything Clicked everything that needed to click in this show, clicked, and that's so 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 important, Matt.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This was a phenomenal show. And if you look at, in my opinion, I mean, maybe it's recency biased as far as complete shows, this was the best of the Dream Queendoms. Now, as far as complete, show. and if one and two were really good, obviously one is known for that one two punch with Sia versus Tam and then Sherry versus Tommy. Mm. Uh, The one from last year was a solid show, but that main event was Sherry vs. Julia, which I have gone on and on about how great that match was. Those are probably the best matches if you're going to pair them up, but from start to finish, this was the best show. They did over 3,000. I know I thought they probably would have done 3,300, 3,400. Regardless, this is what they needed to do, and considering the fact of how loud that crowd was at the very end of the one, two, three, they were into everything. They were in there. They died. They were a little bit burnt out after the, the tag title match. But Julian, we'll get into Julian. And Megan, they did a great job getting them back. Everybody looked like a star on the show. Everything was great. I messaged you after that eight-person tag match. I right? thought they were going to play the hits. And by no means did that. I mean, when I tell you what my star rating is, I know there's going to be a whole bunch of people over in the comment section are going to be like, Matt, you're absolutely nuts. Because uh, I thought everything over-delivered. And the fact that they had this rookie match, not only a rookie matches. One thing if you have a singles match or a tag match where it's like you don't have too many moving parts. You have six people in the match. You have a lot of moving parts. You mm-hmm. need to get have everybody get something in, make it mean sense, and then get in, get out, and then you know, get the crowd hype for the next match. And that's exactly what they did here. That's exactly what they did here. Uh now that, but then it's leading into Tam coming back. So you don't want to have him flat for your big, you know, your big star coming back uh, you know, for her promo. But this was a phenomenal show. I advised everybody to go out. I mean, I know uh, last night Andy Hedder was texting me. And he said, how soon does this come on Stardom tomorrow? I said, it's usually two or three days. But I was like, buddy, you're going to want to pay the $33 for the show. You really, really are. Um, and then obviously there was some kerfuffle with the main event. And then I text him. I said, hey, uh, you don't have to wait three days because here's what Stardom did. He's like, that's phenomenal. But I don't see anybody that paid their $33 or, you know, depending on what, you know, uh, currency that you use that didn't get their money's worth because this was a phenomenal show. If I was in Sumo Hall and I paid 70 dollars for a ticket somewhere in the front, I would have got more than my money's worth because this was a cool, great great show. And you mentioned this is one of your shows of the year for Stardom. This is one of my shows of the year for all of wrestling. I even put something out on uh, on Twitter uh earlier today that now I watch all of WWE. I watch all of AEW. I watch a majority of New Japan. No, I watch a lot of wrestling. But as we get to the end of the year and as many bumps in the road stardom has, like I'm looking at the shows of the year as I'm starting to put together that list and people asking me, you know, hey, here's what my list. Is it subjective? You can like it. My four shows of the year, Robin, just is wrestling, not just stardom wrestling. Number one, All-Star Grand Queendom. Number two, Triangle Derby Finals. Number three, this show. And number four, the first night of the five-star Grand Prix. So stardom for all the bumps in the road and all the negativity and this or that, probably have three or four of the best shows of the year in all of wrestling and this is a great way for them to end this year and i'm so looking forward to what they do in 2024
1: yeah and i think you i think you've hit the nail on the head with the consistency the consistency of this show was brilliant and you know i've already said there's not one match that i would say i can skip that match it's it's a skippable match even you know the four-way tag was fun you know, it was it was short and fun and that's exactly what it needed to be. I completely I think it was Armani Shoe Exchange who said, I don't want any more of these rumbles now. I completely agree. Stick them in a multi woman tag and just let them go for it because we saw four very, very talented rookies do very, very well in that situation. And I'm gonna get the the negative out of the way. Now, yes, the pay per view feed crashed during the main event which was the match that significantly, well, significant numbers, should I say, of fans actually wanted to tune in for. Um, You know, these things happen. It's extremely inopportune and annoying, but ultimately, these things happen. And it's when things like that happen, it's how the company responds. So, okay, the pay-per-view feed is down. What do we do? Okay, do we blanket ignore it? Do we, you know, do we fight tooth and nail to try and get it back on? Do we, what do we do? And ultimately, Stardom said, right, we messed up. You know, whatever the reason was, I, I, I don't know if there is an official reason or whether it was just cut off by accident. I don't know. Um, But ultimately, Stardom went, right, we're really sorry, you know, for those people that paid here you go, here are both matches, in full, on YouTube, go and watch them. And, you know, to me, that's the most they could do. So the quickness with which they responded, how they responded, yes. Ultimately, I was quite lucky because I still managed to see the main event's conclusion. Had I missed that from the pay-per-view, I might still be quite annoyed, but because they... They did rectify it to the extent that they could. So I'm willing to let them have a pass for that. Yes, the pay-per-view messed up. Yes, it wasn't great timing. But ultimately, I still saw a fantastic main event match. And to me, it didn't ruin an A-star show.
2: Um, oh, Yeah, uh, two things we will put this thing to rest. Now, Rob, if they would have told you the night before this show, Micah has COVID. The main event is off. The new name, we're bumping everything up. The new main event is Seoriano versus Mirai. Would you have gotten your money's worth from this show?
1: Retrospectively, yes.
2: Okay. So,
1: would I, would I have thought that at the time? No. I'd have been, okay. I'd have felt shortchanged. However, knowing what I know now, having seen the matches, no, I wouldn't
2: here's something else too, a lot, we get a lot, and then you get, you're upset Um, a lot. There's a lot of angry people that woke up early to kind of like really nitpick some of the small things. And I'm like, really? It's
1: it's people that wake up early, I tell you. Well, I'm up early. I'm all
2: happy-go-lucky. I got up, I had my alarm set for quarter to three. I got up at 2.30. I had Ace, my cat was outside the door. He's like, oh, we're ready to play. I'm like, let's go. We're going to watch some (laughs) stardom. But uh, a lot of people were like, they need to give our money back. We need a refund. We need a refund time. I understand your frustration, right? I under, And I don't respond. I have so many people tweeting at me, so many negative things. And folks, I'm letting you know right, right now if you tweet at me something negative, I will not respond. If you wanna have a conversation about something, great. There's two reasons why I don't respond. One, I don't have time in my life for any negativity. And two, I graduated high school over 20 years ago. I don't need it. I don't, You wanna have a conversation with something? Great. People are yelling and screaming at me that I love the tag match, even though Saya was a half a second late of breaking up a fall. I'll get into that. You guys are nuts, nuts. The fact that people are telling me I want a refund, the free YouTube thing isn't good enough. You do realize this isn't on anybody's fault. It just happened. They give everybody a refund. That comes out of Micah's pocket, Suzu Suzuki's pocket, Hazuki's pocket, Mayu's pocket. Is it fair to them to take money out of their pocket for a show that everybody built up? I mean, we talked about the the Corey, they built up the show and when everybody went out and gave it 110%. Would you feel right because you got your you want your $30 back or whatever you paid, taking money out of their pocket for something that they rectified literally 15, 20 minutes later?
1: That's it it was it. really quick as well. It wasn't like we weren't waiting hours for these matches to be uploaded to YouTube. Credit to the Stardom team because they got them straight up on YouTube. So yeah, completely agree. Again, it's the speed with which they sorted it. Had... Had they not sorted it and had we been sitting here now still having miss still missing the middle of that main event, we would were- we might be having a different conversation. But, you know, Stardom took a bad situation and made the best that they could out of it. And ultimately, it's the last thing I'm gonna say on it, because ultimately the pay-per-view was great was really good fun. Not one match disappointed. And again, we are heading into 2024 for the first time in what seems like months with a clear direction, a really exciting schedule. There's no, All of the fat has been cut in terms of the schedule. I am down for Stardom in 2024. You should do a podcast about it, buddy.
2: You seem so ready to go. Comment, comment.
1: Let, let Rob know you want Rob
2: to do a podcast about Stardom in 2024. Let's see it.
1: No, Let's I, I, see it. Nah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know Plug Pedro would rather just see you on your own. (laughs) Wow, you're bitter. I am bitter. He told you he loved you. (laughs) Right, anyway, let's go through these <laughs> matches then. I know I ordinarily go through all the matches and we discuss them, but we'll go through them one by one. We opened with a Six Woman tag match Miyu Masaki, Azusha Inaba, and Yuzuki defeating the team of Hanaka, Rani Yogama, and Sayaka Karora, with Yuzuki getting her first career pinfall over Sayaka Karora with the rolling arrows. Ha <laughs> ha that's called oh i gotta write that i love it oh sorry i'm just laughing at Plum Pedro <laughs> who says y'all both oh. shut up um <laughs> yeah yuzuki pinned uh, sayaka karora with the rolling arrow in seven minutes and one second it's basically a crucifix pin but the stardom website i believe has it listed as the rolling arrow um so there you go um I couldn't agree more with Plugbedro's sentiment when he says this match rocked. Completely agree. You would not believe that Rani Rani Agami and Sayaka Karura had had one match each before this match the talent on show for quote-unquote rookies in this show. The match was wrestled at a brilliant pace. Nobody missed a step. You'd got rookies trying stuff that they had no right trying. You'd got Sayaka Sa- Sa- Karora at one point did a springboard arm drag. It's like, hang on, you've had one match. You shouldn't be doing this. Everything felt really 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 cohesive and the team especially of Hanako, Yagami and Kurora they gelled really really well and I don't know if it's because they were three very different wrestlers, you've got Hanako who's your Himika sort of power you've got Ronnie Yagami who focuses more on the strikes and the sort of um, submission base of wrestling you know, she's doing snapmare kicks with Azusa Rinaba, who by the way is 16, that is a she is offensively good at wrestling 16 years old, that girl is. Sign her up immediately. Um, with her sister. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yes, I completely agree um, with Plug Pedro. This match exceeded any possible expectations. I thought Mio Amasaki did a fantastic job of leading the match. I thought her and Hanako had really good chemistry when they were fighting. Um, you had Mio Amasaki. Um, converting a powerbomb into a DDT which was really cool Um, she did really well and my actual only surprise really was that it was Yuzuki that they gave the pinfall to Um, ultimately really 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 enjoyable match Um, I think it yeah Venkan says props to their trainer um, I hope he gets what he asked. Bushy Rowe completely agree. Um, but yeah, props to the trainer because he did a fantastic job with these women. And again, we've got the Rookie of Stardom tournament coming up um, on the 3rd of January and four of the six competitors are in that tournament. So uh, that's very, very exciting. Overall, I gave this three and a quarter stars. And honestly, there's not anything bad I could say about it. I'm just going to say before I throw it to you, Matt, Jesse... I've seen it. Hello. Um, yes, we've talked about it earlier on. So if you want to wait and sort of skip back after we've finished, we talk about it in detail. Go, Matt.
2: Okay, or send us a message, but or do both. Why not? You're gonna get the best of both worlds. It's free; it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, we mentioned last week with uh, Sayaka's match versus Sayaka Matani that it looked like with the two rookies, with her and uh, Rama that uh, she had a little bit, a uh, little bit more kind of to prove. She was great here on She's her awesome. team, like look more explosive, look like, look excited, did a great job, you know, carrying her leading her where she needed to go. But she looked like somebody that went from having one match to having like 50. You mentioned the uh, with all the new rookies of Hanako, Ron and Sayaka having so much chemistry together. I think it's probably because they were in the dojo training, you know, obviously Hanako was probably in there a little bit earlier because she's been wrestling for a handful of months but she's probably still I'm, I'm assuming she's still in there training and helping leading these rookies who are only just a few months behind but i really liked how um yuzuki was trying for like the judo throw anytime like she got caught with something azusa ninaba would just come in and just kick them to help them go over she tried a judo throw might have been hanako and she comes in and she she does the kick she's going for that roll up at the end and then she just goes throws it like a head kick and helps them go over for the up. I thought it was really cool that it was like, Oh wait, you need help. Let me just throw a kick. And that was really kind of like the difference maker in this match. And me, was great as well. Yeah. This was like, Holy geez. Like if this is the crop of town we have coming up in the next year or two with the town that's already there and already super young. Um, it's phenomenal. I mean, really the sky's the limit. You know, they touched upon that Julia thing, you know, you can't replace Julia and you never will, but Holy geez, you're going to fill a lot of voids with this roster. They really, really are. And the fact that they have, they put Azusa Inaba on this match makes me think that, you know, they didn't put her in this match. And you know, I thought it would be on the pre-show. They, a lot of times started and we'll give you here's match one. I'm like, okay, is that going to be a half an hour earlier than you're telling me? And it's going to be on the pre-show. And it wasn't, they actually put on the main show proper you know they wouldn't have put her on this show the big show at the end of the year if they don't have plans for her so i really hope somewhere in the future that they could bring her and her sister in on a more full-time basis because mixed in with this roster with these rookies the two of them especially with the tag division looking really really tasty as they go into 2024 you know give me the end of a sisters versus Mel Tear, give it to me versus crazy star uh obviously aphrodite I'm really hoping, you know, really hoping that they are signed to a full-time contract with Stardom sooner than later, my friend. Uh, I like this match a little bit better than you. I had it three and a half stars, sir.
1: Um, Plug Pedro actually says, Hannon has been ringside for Yuzuki a lot. Um, and I did notice Hannon ringside actually in this match. Um, and he's followed up by saying, we'll not be surprised if she's helping the new girls a lot. I know that obviously um, Hazuki is in charge of a lot of the training in the uh, in the dojo. Um, so it should I'm be more
2: violent yeah. then. Should be more violent,
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to explain Sugarmy's kicks, anyway. Um, yeah. But I do wonder if that's um, if that is something that's happening. Then if Hannon is going in and helping out as well. At 19, At, 90 At nineteen years, years Honestly, old. At nineteen. Honestly, and you can clip this. Feel free, Hannon, future red belt champion. Clip it. Um, uh, this is quite an interesting question, Venk and Bjorn, Do you think they're going to throw them in factions quick because they're taking their time recently? Um, In terms of factions, a lot of it is dependent on injuries. I mean, we've spoken a lot about Mina Shirakawa, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, And Club Venus has just been decimated by injuries. She's on her own at the moment. Um, So she's in desperate need of um support. There's only three, four members of Donna Del Mondo at the moment um you've only got 583 members of oeditai so you know and then on top of that you've got all the rookies that are without factions you have got um Suzu suzuki who's still without a faction meisera who's still without a faction so i do wonder if we are going to get um people sort of laying claim to people um i mean if yuzuki's been um sort of seconded by hannon quite a lot i wonder if she'll end up in stars even though Everything about her screamed Queen's Quest to me. Um, I would I would put money on Rani Agami going to God's Eye. Um, I think I said that during our last review as well. Just the way she wrestles is so and I think she's even come out and said that Suri was a huge influence on her. So I'd you know, be amazed if she's not in uh, in God's eye very, very, very soon. Um but anyway, we move, we move on um to the four-way tag which was uh, Saki Kashima and Ami Suri of God's Eye defeating the Donna Dolmundo team of Tekla and May Sakurai, the uh, Cosmic Angels team of Unimizumori and friend of the show Saki, and the Queen's Quest team of Lady C <laughs> and Hina, with Ami Suri pinning Unimizumori with a blue thunderbomb in 7 minutes and 25 seconds. A couple of things first, before we delve into the crux of this match. Um, we both thought that Donna Dalmundo were going to come out on top in this match so that May Sakurai could do her shtick. Um, what we failed to take into account is that May Sakurai will do her shtick whether she wins or not. Um, so there we are. And I think of everyone in this match, I was quite surprised it was Ami Suri who got the pinfall victory. But... I'm not upset by it. I thought this match was the weakest on the card, but that's mm-hmm. not to say it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. We knew what we were getting. It was a four-way tag. Lady C and Hina got a lot of time to shine, which was really important, especially for Hina, given that time on the big stage. Um, I thought Saki and Unimizumori worked really, really well together, had some really crisp um, offense. Hopefully... With Cosmic Angels, who again are another faction, talking about people who have been decimated by injuries, Cosmic Angels are another one. They are literally Yuna and Sioriano at the moment. Um, Hopefully, Yuna will stop eating as many pinfalls as she does. Because she, you know, you talk about most improved, you talk about how Mio Amasaki has improved. Unimiz and to Gobby in that conversation, she has been tremendous holding it down for Cosmic Angels. And I thought her and Saki today had a really, really good connection, a really good synergy between them.
2: And they came out to the Cosmic Angels theme.
1: And they came out to the Cosmic Angels theme and sort of did the dance.
2: They come a long way from Tam Unagi and Mina with the uh, the big three way dance. I, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, wait, what? Did I trip? Did I put in the wrong uh, wrong feed? But they worked very well together. I think I texted you right afterwards. I said, boy, for uh, Saki, who hasn't been in Stardom in quite a while, and Yuna, you mentioned the most – she's the most improved – in my opinion, the most improved wrestler in all of wrestling in 2023, and I'm so looking forward to what she does in 2024 and beyond. I thought her and Saki were great as a team. I hope we see more of Saki in uh, Cosmic Angels and, obviously, Stardom. I believe she's on the next – I think she's on the Triangle Derby show and I think the fourth as well. I think she's on one or two of those shows, so hopefully she sticks around a little bit longer. I mentioned it before. I thought of all these eight women, I thought Hina was the MVP of this match. I thought she looked great. I thought her improvement was really well. Uh, I like how uh, uh, Saki Kashima didn't want anything to do with the match. Like, her comedic <laughs> timing was perfect. And their tag partner, Ami Story just goes in there and just, like, destroys people and then gets the win with the Blue Thunder Bomb. And, of course, uh, yeah, Tekla looked really good as well. I wish she would have got a little more in that match. But, of course, it doesn't matter. We keep forgetting that it doesn't matter Win, lose, or draw sakurai is gonna do her stick absolutely. she is and uh, i thought that was absolutely hilarious yeah really good match probably the weakest on the card but i still had it three and a half stars i thought it was really good um maybe because of so many people in the match maybe if it went a minute longer like amy sorry just hits the blue thunderbomb. bomb and because it's not her main finish i thought someone would either she that you know would either kick out or that it would get broken up and then it was just like the three count hit i was like oh okay all right let's move on to the next one so really good match everybody worked hard i wish it went a little bit longer but I mean it was what it was. It's nice to get everybody on the card. And like I said, it's nice to give Hina that big spotlight, uh, as well as uh, the return of Saki. So
1: Yeah, agreed. Um the finish did sort of come out of nowhere. And that was I was surprised that it wasn't Hina or Lady C that ate the pinfall, to be perfectly honest. But I suppose Unimiz Mori is another one that isn't signed to a stardom deal, I don't think. So that might be why she eats the pinfalls in matches like that. I gave it three stars. It was fine, did what it needed to do. But uh, yeah, it's probably the weakest on, uh, on a very, very good card. We move on then to our third match on the main card, which is an eight-woman tag, the Mayu Iwatani return match. The stars team of Mayu, Hazuki, Hanan, and Sayurida defeated the Uedatai team of Starlight Kid, Rina Ruwaka, and Fukiken Death. Mayu Iwatani getting the pinfall over Fukiken Death with the moonsault in 10 minutes and 25 seconds. Bloody hell, I've missed Mayu. I have missed Mayu so much. That Stars team is fantastic, but there is such a different dynamic when Mayu is a part of it. Um, and you've already said about this match how you thought that, you know, it will be get your licks in and we'll go home. And all eight of these women gave something different. I thought this flowed really, really well. Starlight Kid came out with an just a complete savagery that we haven't seen in so long. And I was actually cheering in my garden room, just going, go on, kick the hand, Starlight. Kick the hand. I love that. I love the fact that we are playing on that and Starlight had this real just aggression in the way she was attacking Mayu. Mayu, who was in the match for bloody ages as well, like she took all of the heat in this match, and then obviously will go on to get the win. The fact that the hand is playing a factor, and the fact that her next big singles match is Shuri, who you know is going to be targeting that hand. Like, Maia in was in for a world of pain. Um, but yeah, overall, loved this match. And Matt, you're absolutely right. We put a pin in it, let's talk about it. Finally, someone has worked out how to reverse the O'Connor role.
2: My only negative about this match, it wasn't enough Hazuki. However hizuki her one spot in this match should be played on sports center so we see as the match is building towards the end mayu gets caught in the o'connor roll, and you're like okay there's no way right either mayu's kicking out or someone's going to break it up mm-hmm. and just as the ref has his hand coming down for the three you just see hizuki's boot come in and just boom, boom almost take all the paint off the face of one freaking death i was like holy jeez that is the, uh, you know, nobody, that's the O'Connor role. The, it's almost as deadly as the Kishikasai. We know we how, how to break it up. You just need a team with Hazuki. And just as as she's getting ready to take you into the ropes, you just need to be like, be ready. Because it was one, two, and all of a sudden you see, boom. It's like, oh, jeez. Literally the point that I forgot they did the Freedom rocket launcher because I was like, oh, man. Like, she just booted poor Fuki and Dad's head, like, right in the front row. But this was, us. I mean... Again, they could have done, everybody do one or two moves, one or two tag team moves, Mayu gets the moonsault. We'll take it home. But, you know, I didn't even realize, just because of how stacked this card is, especially the last four matches, as the stars are doing their entrance, it's like, this is like a dream team here that they have. You have Hazuki, you have Mayu, and you have Wingori, who we just saw had the phenomenal New Blood tag match uh, on Christmas Day, uh, New Blood, um, you know, New Blood 12. And it was like, wow, like, what a team this is. And then you're thinking, well, the White tag team, they're kind of overpowered here. You have and Death, you have Rina, you have Ruwaka, and then you have Starlight Kid. But, of course, tie has got a gotcha. tie Right as soon as the match starts, it's like they jump. We get all these things. We get all these dives. Starlight Kid looks looks great. Ruwaka got her stuff in. Rina looked terrific here. And then uh, the matches, they, we got great double teams. And, again, you had double teams. You had triple teams. You had quadruple teams. And, again, these tag matches – if something go, one or two things goes wrong, it's the domino effect because then it all kind of goes downhill and you have to have somebody, one or two people to kind of put it back together. Nothing was wrong. The timing on everything was great. The ring position and everything was perfect. And it's just amazing, especially like these Mayu stars teams. When it comes to doing the double teams and the triple teams and the quadruple teams, it's like when she is directing, everybody knows where they need to be. Nobody's a half a step off. Everybody needs to know where they need to be, especially when they did like that four way boot scrape, you know, the hazuki led four way boot scrape, which I thought was great. And then it leads to the Awettai dives. And then you get like almost a mini match with Fukin Death and Mayu. And then it looks like Fukin Death's going to steal one. Suzuki comes with the boot, and then we see um, all the rest of the stars, takes out the rest of a the tie, and then they, they do the, the, the Freedom uh, rocket launcher to Fuku and Death, and then the the Salt. But I'm going to give you my star rating, and everyone's going to go nuts. They're going to say, Matt, you are such a stardom fan, because you told me that I was going to give this star rating going into this match. You think that I was nuts. I love this. I give it four stars. I absolutely love this match. You gave it four stars. Four stars. I love for the pacing, the timing, the fact the crowd was hot for everything. And for you to do that match, with you know, if you're in that match, you have seven other people that you have to have your timing, your cues for them to get that in, especially with that finish. I thought this was great. This is this is one of the best multi-person. Undercard matches Stardom's ever done. This was terrific and a great way to ring back in Mayu, my friend. It really was.
1: Oh, it's a great way to bring in Mayu. Definitely, we've missed her massively. Just her, just her general aura, and you know, even just from the entrances. Like, you've got Sayurida coming in in the brand new green coat. You've got Hanan coming in in the brand new yellow one. And then you've got Hazuki coming in in this absolutely gorgeous robe. And you've got Mayu then coming in with the mask and the robe. And it felt very much like a walking Pokemon evolution. You know, you've got Sayurida who evolves into <laughs> Hanan, who evolves into Hazuki, who evolves into, like, <laughs> mega Mayu. Um, and it they just felt like it. Felt amazing to have them all back. And, you know, when stars are together, they are one of the best factions because they work so well together. And, yeah, we didn't quite get enough Hazuki but it was still fantastic. I didn't quite go four stars because I'm not a lunatic like you, um, but I did go three <laughs> and a half. I thought it was great. I thought they did what they needed to do with the weather tide. They gave Starlight Kid just enough of a spotlight. She came out in um, in the interviews afterwards, in the press conference afterwards, and said that she is demanding a singles match with Maiwiwatani for the new year, which we sort of thought was where they were going anyway. Um, when this is, of course, and this is another bonus of the less pay-per-view dates, you have got chance to let these feuds build, to let them stew, to build anticipation for it. Because if you look at the pay-per-view calendar, we've got Supreme Fights at the start of February. We have got um, the two, obviously, pay-per-views at the start of January, which are already sorted. You've then got the Cinderella tournament final, and then you've got Yokohama. In my opinion, if you aren't going to run Mayu versus mercedes Monet, back, why not give Starlight Kid that rub? Why not have Ooh. Mayu versus Starlight here at All-Star Grand Queendom? Have it bubbling all the way through till April. Properly have it bubble. Um, especially if you want the IWGP Women's Championship defended more and actually have its prestige raised. Give them 20 minutes, put them semi-main, even third from the top, and just have them go at it. Because those two have proved time and a time and a time and again, whenever they do a singles match, they absolutely knock it out of the park. So do I would do that. I wouldn't try and rush it, give it time, put it in All-Star Grand Queendom. I mean, it's it's one of those views that you don't particularly need to give the time to, I suppose, because of all the history that goes along with it. Um, but I would I'd just let it really have Starlight Kid be literally gasping for it by April. I want to destroy Mayu Iwitani. Have that desire of her to eclipse the shadow of her mentor, literally driving her mental. Have her beat the living hell out of Mayu every single opportunity she gets. Every time stars and a weather tie are opposite each other in undercard tags, have Starlight Kid zero in on Mayu and just deliver Starlight Kid pain. That should be what it is until April. Have Mayu defend on pay-per-views against other people and just have it really rile. Starlight Kid. Um, it's worth noting, by the way, that every single person on the side team has turned on Mayu at some point.
2: Sad. Heartbreaking. <laughs> um, real quick, did you notice, uh, I didn't notice this until our good friend Scotty Wrestling brought this out, My uh, Starlight Kid's mask, like the first mask she has, and she takes yes. off, well, it was an MK Sister's mask. It was an so MK we're definitely going mask. somewhere. We're oh, definitely God, going yes. somewhere, yeah. It, you know, it doesn't even need, like, we all think that mayu is going to retain against sherry but we're not 100 percent sure so you can do mayu versus Starlight like, because she said i want to match with mayu she never said for the iwgp so you that match does not need a title it's just really a bonus i mean i would not have i think mayu is going to retain you know come next week but yeah i wouldn't be heartbroken if sherry gets a gets a crack uh crack run with the um crack run well that sounded very drudgy she gets a, a run after the <laughs> jesus Took, I mean, a uh, <laughs> it took a turn bad merry christmas everyone um if she gets a run for the with the iwgp women's championship so but uh yeah really good stuff they're really good job planning that seed with her coming out with the mk sisters mass because clearly that's going to be the first feud for both mayu and starlight kid in a great way to start off 2024 with them two going at it
1: i, I don't want to sound disparaging at all but at the moment it doesn't it doesn't matter who holds the iwgp women's championship until it's booked better and until it is given the prestige that they promised that they will be giving it i just I, it doesn't matter who holds it you know you've had it on Mayu Itani, the icon of stardom the best wrestler in the world in my opinion um, and you've given it three defenses or two defenses in 220 odd days so until it's treated correctly it doesn't matter whether you put it on her Mercedes Monet Kyrie doesn't matter. Um so if they put it on Siori, okay. But start having more matches. Start having it defended on New Japan shows, which is where it was supposed to be defended anyway. You know, big Japan big New Japan shows. Well we've had Dominion wasn't defended on Dominion. We've had um uh what was the big one in we've had destruction in Ryogoku wasn't defended there. Um, you know we're having Wrestle Kingdom it's not defended at Wrestle Kingdom and that's something Mayu's actually said you know there's a Tokyo Dome show and I'm wearing an IWGP championship and I'm not defending it at the Dome and I'm starting to think is that because of me or and you know you do start to think well you know yes we are running a Tokyo Dome City Hall show on January 4th but it's not the Dome you know it's an IWGP championship. And I know that they were given five minutes at Wrestle Kingdom seventeen and it felt very much like an arbitrary five minutes of right, here's your time. There you go. It felt very much like it was a force on them. I do wonder, I know that New Japan have just been uh, have just got a new president as well. Some guy called um Hiroshi Tanahashi. know. Um, oh, yeah, I, I I don't, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think he's done much um, but no, in, like in all seriousness I know that there's change in management in, um, in New Japan as well so I do wonder if um, we'll see something with the IWGP Women's Championship as a result of that um, moving on let's move to the next match, which was a six woman tag match um, which saw the 7-Up team of Nanai Takahashi and you and Azumi defeat the team of Tsurimiya Shirakawa and Meiseira with Nanai Takahashi defeating Mina Shirakawa with the 1-second EX in 11 minutes and 41 seconds. Right. Let's get into it now. Yes, Nanai Takahashi didn't do the job. Nanai wins lol. We know. Now... I was initially very angry about the result of this match. Not that that team won, but the fact that the one person on that team who did not need the pinfall was Nanai Tagashi. However, if this is leading to something, which apparently it is, Rossi has himself already spoken about a program with Nanai and Mina Shirakawa. If this is leading to a program between those two, If Mina gets her win back, I am absolutely fine with this result. It's an undercard tag. It's not the end of the world. However, if this is a match in a vacuum, this is a ridiculous booking decision. And I think we both agree on that. You know, if if Takashi is getting this win here, but then Mina gets a big singles victory over Nanai <laughs> later on in the year. I'm absolutely fine with this booking decision. Doesn't matter. If it means it's going to be a springboard for Mina, I'm absolutely all over it. That's fine. That's great. However, if these two now don't face each other for the next six months, what was the point? What was the point? Because you had Maysayer in this match, you had Azumi in this match, you had Mina Shirakawa in this match, all who could have used the pinfall.
2: Yeah, I kind of don't get it because it's not like that. It's just with the night getting the win, it's just Mina just keeps going. They keep losing her, and she keeps losing and losing and losing. It's like she's having great matches. She's it doesn't matter if it's tag singles, like she's drawing money, she's putting more eyes on the company, she's busting her ass. Why are we kind of burying her? And I know last week you mentioned that you think that you early pick to win the Cinderella tournaments, Mina. And I'm like, I'm all for that. I'm all for building her back up. Maybe that's what they're doing here. Like, I don't understand why you couldn't have a zoomy get the get the fall here. But yeah, you mentioned it. Maybe you know. I mean, I, it doesn't need a long build. Just, ha- I mean, we just saw it happen in a month and in, in a week or two. Why don't we say all right on the Supreme Fight Show on the fourth of February, we're doing a one on one Mina versus Nanai. Have her get a good win there. Build her to the Cinderella. Build her to uh, the Yokohama Show at the end of April. You know, something like that. And you know, keep Mina red hot throughout the summer going into the, the you know the five star. It yeah. just seems like, you know, I don't know why they're treading water with Mina. She's proven that she can be a main eventer. You know, she had that great match with Natsupoy for the World of Stardom Championship. The Wonder, excuse me, great match. Even as much as people don't like their result, that double title match with Tam was phenomenal. It
1: was a great match. You know, and I really
2: mentioned, I mentioned, I mentioned on the show before, the biggest and best Stardom show of all time was All Star Grand Queendom earlier this year, and she had, in my opinion, the best match on it. You can, yep. you can make. You can make an argument with Mayu, with Sherry, with Hashimoto, with Mercedes Monet on that show that Mina Shirakawa was the MVP of that show, and it's just like I just don't know, you know, what's going on. And again, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like we're breaking her down to build her back up. which Star does a great job. We saw her do it with Julia in the spring of 2022. You know, they broke her down, lost to Sherry, build her back up in the five star, and then won the title. Maybe that's what they're doing, and that's what I hope. That's what I hope. But well, let's give them a the positive thing, my friend. Let's talk about one of my favorite rests to talk about, Azumi. Mm-hmm. Now we know Azumi's great at the high speed style. We know she's great. We saw she can throw down with Utami, with Julia. We've seen that. We know Azumi's great tag matches, especially when she's tagging with whether it's Lady C, whether it's Miyu, whether it's Saya, whether it's Utami, it's part of Queen's Quest. She is fantastic here with seven up, who I don't think she's ever teamed up with before. They were doing double teams and triple teams in this match that Azumi's kind of like the main part of, as if like, seven up in in uh as if um you and, and i were gonna take their faces off like in scooby doo and it was really sighing and Utami under there I was like like where did this come from it's just like it's a zoomie she is so special we talk about special wrestlers she's in a category of all of her own and May Sarah on the other side was great Her and Shuri had really good stuff. Uh, We knew, we talked last week how Shuri and Izumi is always a great matchup that I don't think gets enough credit or gets talked about enough because they have great chemistry together. I thought Yu was great here. I thought Nanai. I thought everybody was great here. I didn't like the result because it's another Nanai win that she doesn't need, another loss that Mina doesn't need. However, if we are building towards Mina getting that win back, and and Nanai hasn't had a singles loss since the Shuri title reign. Last year, I don't think so. Not in stardom. I don't think she's eating a singles loss. So if she eats it on a big show with Mina Shirakawa, and then we're building Mina back up. I'm all for it. I think it was a great match. I had it three and three-fourth stars. Again, I thought Azumi was the MVP here. Um, yeah, her stuff with me was really good, and I just really hope that we're building Mina back up because I'm such a huge fan of her, and she just works so hard, and she's so great in the ring, and doesn't matter what situation you put her in, Mina is always going to deliver.
1: Agreed. Um, I actually gave it four stars. I liked it a little Whoa. bit
2: Whoa, um, look at
1: you! And here you. And I'm. I'm really sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, my friend. Um, I saw this comment. I enjoy the passion ejection matches, but I'm really tired of beating people and they don't get their comeuppance completely agree starlight kid like yeah. the starlight kid where star-like she's already kid, like, a match match event. A like com- completely yeah. pointless completely pointless you look at her matches like her match with Wakasukiyama was perfect um her match with lady c a match with Miwa Masaki, but like mace era she didn't need to beat mace era um that seemed like a really pointless passion injection match as well and you know if she's there to do stuff with the young wrestlers with the rookie wrestlers great i think that works but eventually, one of them is going to have to beat her. And I know they did that with Wacker, and yeah, it was a great feeling. And actually, it was probably one of the better-booked stories of the uh, of the year. But ultimately, she hasn't eaten a singles loss since she's been in stardom again, you know, turning up regularly. Or I, I don't think she has. I'm, in fact, I'm sure she hasn't. Um, and yeah, absolutely, you know, Starlight Kid is mentioned Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, 2024 is a big turn for Starlight Kid because, if anything, her year went down the pan after losing to Um, Takahashi. Hopefully it's happened to
2: Mina. Yeah. Well,
1: look, if it happens to Mina, then I will be extremely annoyed retrospectively in this match. I'm willing to hold off because I am convinced that Mina is going to win the Cinderella. Now, the victory in the Y Bell match does sort of put a crux in that. It does sort of put a kink in that. But we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, uh, let's talk about the first of our four tile matches then. It was the goddess of stardom titles. The 30th champions, Aphrodite, Utami Hayashisha, and Saya Kamitani um, defeated the Oedatae XL team of Momo Watanabe and Natsuka Tora to achieve their first successful tile defense. Utami pinning Tora. After the torture rack bomb in 16 minutes and 22 seconds. Now, uh, great stuff, fantastic stuff. I'm going to let you go with this, Matt, because I know that you were huge on this match. Now, I know that you are obviously primarily a tag team wrestler. You're obviously also the babyface in peril um in your tag team that is your sort of position in that tag team um which i i understand you do tremendously by the way um my my one point and i think i text this to you is i thought it was really interesting not a bad dynamic by any stretch of the imagination but it was really interesting that they put utami as the babyface in peril and sire as the hot tag wrestler and I wasn't sure how I'd feel about that, because Saya Kamatani has got underdog babyface written all over her. The way she wrestles, the way she sells, everything about that made me think, right, was going to get the living hell beaten out of her, and then Utami's going to come in and clean house. And they did it completely the other way. And it worked really well. And I know that the story they're telling is of Saya and Momo Watanabe. And that came through really, really well. That B-driver reversal. Oh, it was so good. It was so well-timed. But... Oh, it was... Oh, honestly, it was one of my favorite spots of the entire show. Um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the dynamic of the match. And anyway, I know that you have got lots to say on this match. You go, good sir.
2: Yeah, and if you have any questions, by all means, my friend, cut me off. And then if there's anybody has any questions afterwards, we'll tag them in because... Um... Let's get the one negative thing out of the way. Is again I mentioned how much I love this. I'll tell you right now, four and a half stars. Absolutely love this match. And it was my third favorite match on the show at four and a half stars. I absolutely love this match. Now, um, I was kind of getting a little bit of attacked on social media, and I feel bad for you people because like you really like that match, even though Saya was late breaking up the pinfall on the assisted spinebuster. Now, to be fair, I was taking my notes. And I kind of just looked up and kind of saw. and I thought, maybe she's a little bit late. And then you might have text me a couple seconds after. you like, I think Sia missed her cue because the ref pulled the thing. I went back, and uh, while I was waiting for what I thought the feed was the catch again to watch the main event, I went back and watched this match, and then we got it on YouTube. And, yeah, she was late. And does that take away from the match? I don't think so. And here's the reason why. Again, I'm going to explain... Wrestling psychology with real-life psychology, and hopefully that gives you more of appreciation for this match and just wrestling in general, especially tag tag wrestling. So say you and your friends are all out for a nice dinner. You walk in. The atmosphere is great. The hostess is great. Your waiter, waitresses are great. You and, you know, three or four of your friends, you know, or your relatives or your loved one or whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and the place is clean. The are great. You get your drinks. Your drinks are great. Your appetizers are great. You're halfway through your meal, which is tremendous. You're having a great time somebody four boots over sneezes really loud. and You all stop eating. You look up because they kind of disturbed your meal. And you're like, that was really loud, wasn't it? Okay. You go back, you finish your meal, you have a dessert, and then you have a nightcap drink and everything was great. That one person who sneezed, which was an accident that made you look up for two seconds. Did that ruin your night? No, it didn't. So why are certain people attacking this match because of Saya was off by a half a second to break up the pinfall? And technically, if you look back at it, she kind of touches Utami's arm. It's referee's discretion to break up the pinfall. I digress, sir. I digress. I hope, you know, that paints a bigger perspective. So let's, let's talk about tag team wrestling and the, the genius psychology of this match. You have the pure babyface team of Queen's Quest of Utami and Saikamitani versus the pure heel team of Momo Watanabe and Natsuka Tor. Can't be any simpler, right? Utami wants to start first, and she wants to start with Momo. She goes to lock up with Momo because you have the former leader of the faction and the current leader of the faction. That's kind of where some of the heat is in Saya as well. And Utami goes to lock up. Momo ducks not once but twice, and now you're building the anticipation. I was like, this is genius. They didn't even touch it. This is genius. Utami starts out wrestling Momo. Now, all of a sudden, Tor is like, I don't like this. Let's get a two-on-one advantage. They try to double-team Utami. Saya Kamatani is like, this isn't happening. Comes and hits the big drop kick. The heel faction goes to the floor. Sai goes for the picture-perfect springboard dropkick. As she's setting up for it, I have two thoughts that come across my head. One is like, if she hits this, this is a big move, a minute in the match. That means this match is only going 10, 11 minutes, and it's going to be a blitz, which I'm fine with, but I'd rather the long story, or she's not getting hit with it, which she does it. The ref gets blinded, which I mentioned last week. I know there's going to be some cheating in this match as long as the ref gets blinded. Did ref didn't see the terrible crate. At the Same time, what else are you going to throw, right? Um, the uh, the crate, the case, yeah, whatever, uh, the, the milk crate, whatever, hit Saya. Now we forget about that, right? Now it's a great, I'm it's a real...
1: great shot, by the way. It's a fantastic yeah, really, shot, really. Is.
2: <laughs> now, now, and I, whenever somebody's putting together a tag match and they come to me for advice, and if they're doing a hot spot, I always bring this up. You thought you were going to get that spot, and Saya Kamatan has one of the best springboard droplets you'll ever see in wrestling. Perfect timing, the way she expends the. the for lack of a better term, wings. You know, she's the Phoenix. It's a thing of beauty. It really, really is. Go back and watch that white belt run. She does it in every match. The timing, the psychology, everything is perfect. So if you get that move early, and then you have a twenty-minute match, it's like, for example, if you're going to see the, you know, I'm using the new Batman movie. You know, it's a two-hour-long movie. An hour in, he catches the Joker. What are we going to do for the next hour? Him and Jim Gordon are going to have coffee. Yeah, great. We already saw the main crux of the match. You want to build to that move. So you think you're getting this springboard planche a minute in. You don't get it. So it reminds me of the time when I was about five or six years old, me and my dad go to church. And he looks at me and he said, if you're good at church and you pay attention, we'll stop at the donut shop on the way home. You can get a donut and a chocolate milk. Great. I'm anticipating it very much like I'm anticipating the Sia springboard. We go to the donut shop. For a little Matt Turner trivia, my favorite donut is a Boston cream. Walk into the donut shop, I get my chocolate milk, they're out of Boston cream donuts. Oh, I thought I was gonna get my Boston cream donut. I thought I was gonna get the side Kamatani springboard this early. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll take a French curler. Well, I don't even remember what I got 20, 30 some odd years ago. Sit down, have a conversation my dad. We talk, we'll probably talk about wrestling or football, or whatever. I would, you know, the donut's great, don't get me wrong. Completely forget that I was going to get the Boston cream. Completely forget, here we go, completely forget we were going supposed to get this springboard. We get done with the donut. The manager comes out and says, hey, I heard you wanted a Boston cream donut. We just made a fresh batch on the house. Now I went from, I thought I was going to get it. I didn't get it. This one was pretty good, and then I got it. That's what Syed Now, not only, Rob, do we get that once, we get it twice in this match, and I will get to that. Obviously, Saya does hit the springboard. Um, so she gets hit with the crate. They do a little bit of heat on Utami, which I call that a warm. Right? I a call warm. that a warm. i never. Okay. Yeah, I think I might have heard Jim Cornette say it once or twice. I'm so lucky that I got to learn from that crazy, crazy bastard when I was in Ring of Honor. I would literally <laughs> put my, I would literally put my headphones in my head and turn the volume down, and I would just hear him tag talk about tag team wrestling. So. So it's not a long heat. So you, because I, I'm the same way. Saya Kamatani, in my opinion, is the second best seller in this company. My it's you and everybody else, but I think Saya, especially in that white belt range, she's the second best seller. It, for my opinion, and Utami's kind of comes in with the clotheslines, the four, the whole nine for the hot tags. I'm like, ah, oh, that's really weird. And Utami takes a little bit of heat, warm tags, and Saya. Same thing happens there. So you do double heat or double warm. So I get it. The match is building, building. We get in double team after double team after double team, which I thought was great. I loved how you mentioned it that uh momo hits the uh the in- inhumane driver utami breaks up the pinfall Torah pitches utami out and she goes for the b driver and then utami comes in clothesline she takes the code red so or good. code or code green if we're going color it because <laughs> right so then we get utami and tora going at it and you're like i know these way these started matches go when they're going to those big moves we know it's going to be utami Torah finish with some tag teams That's weird because regardless if it's Saya or Utami getting the fall, it's got to be on Momo, right? So I kind of didn't understand. But then we see Utami hit a whole bunch of big moves on Tora after some really great falsies. And she goes to pick her up for the hijack bomb. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting, right? Tora is, you know, one of the bigger, stronger wrestlers of it. And Utami gets her right up. And I'm like, whoa, where are we going with this? Momo, this is the genius of the match. Because then I'm like, why isn't isn't this coming down to Momo needs to take the fall? Momo comes in and does the mist. Never done before. Does Tora's mist. We saw Tora do every match in the five side. I'm like, this is genius because nobody sees it coming. Then hits the head kick. Then eventually we get the Sia springboard. She puts it at the right place at the right time. Eventually, Tommy comes back and we get the hijack bomb on Tora. So not only did we get one big move tease we didn't get, we get two. And I thought that was going to be the finish until Momo out of nowhere, you don't even see her breaks up the fall. They go back and forth. Tommy's just German suplexing in the world. They hit the magic killer. And this is great because then what it really comes down to is the teamwork of Sai and Utami to put away the the, 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 the you know, the bad team that's cheating, Rep blinding, crate shot, K shot, you know, missed the whole nine. So then Utami's hitting German suplexes. Sai gets up. They hit the uh, uh, German suplex assisted drop, off the top rope, which, it amazes me how like utami doesn't get crushed on that like it's absolutely a thing mm-hmm. of beauty i love it when they do it and then um utami looks at saya saya looks at Utami at the same time we have the star crusher and we have the torture rack bomb for the finish tommy said she wanted to put the final nail in this coffin they did because they even though Moa didn't technically take the pinfall she took the finish from saya kamatani after she was the one that was cheating the most and had to use her tag partner's cheat tactic And it still didn't work because what ultimately overcame the tie was the tag team work of the best tag team in the world, Utami and Sayakamatani. Folks, it's so simple, and they made it so great. Four and a half stars. If you're looking to study professional wrestling, tag team wrestling, this match is so simple to follow when you break it down,
1: and it's absolute genius. And Plub Pedro says, Rob, can you recommend Matt to be a wrestling teacher for a university course? Yes, I can. And if you'd like to uh, send all booking requests for Matt to uh robgoodwin at gmail.com, all money can go there as well. I will absolutely make sure that Matt gets it. Um yeah, this was uh, this was fantastic. It's it's tag team wrestling in its simplest form, but executed so well by four really really fantastic wrestlers um as we talked about on the preview how momo watanabe has recaptured that form that made her so compelling during her um during her early queen's quest days tora has found a completely new lease on life since she's come back from the injury that five star was fantastic for her um i must admit the box being yeeted as uh hero says um at it for Sire. like half springboard yeah, so honestly like, you, it was so well timed so yeah. well timed um and yes you know there's no game around Saya did miss a pinfall but ultimately it was something that i forgot almost instantly because then you're on to the next bit you're on to the next bit and the fighting between momo and Saya actually overshadowed the fighting between Utami and Tora, because a lot of what Utami and Tora was doing it was in the ring, and then you could just see it the way the camera was set up, was Saya and Momo fighting on the outside, and you know, stopping each other, getting in to break up pinfalls, and it's been the story that they're building, and I really, really enjoyed that, I gave it four and a half stars as well, I thought it was a really, really, really well, well paced, well structured, entertaining match, yes, something went wrong in it. Ultimately, who cares? Focus on the positive. Glass is half full. we got a great Aphrodite title defence. No turns, no random booking shenanigans, no Oeditae, Oeditai, Oeditai in their way to a, a tainted tag victory. Thank God we got what we wanted.
2: And I think that, I and mean, again, this may be my QQ bias. I think just by the way that this match was built and what they did in their their interviews going into this, I think we're in for a long, long for Goddess. I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously the red belt and white belt, we've had these year-plus runs, but I think we're going to get at least a six to eight-month run, hopefully, you know, out of these two. And rightfully so, because you can literally main event with this team at any show. And if you put on stuff like this, quality stuff like this, I mean, it's it's an easy sell.
1: Well, it's funny you should mention that because the uh, Thunder Rock tag tile rain, which is what you're talking about at the moment, <clears throat> which still to this day, the eighth rain with the belts, we're now on rain 30, is still the longest raining title defense, 407 days. Since then, and bearing in mind that Thunder Rock dropped those belts in 2016, we have had one rain that has reached 300 days. We have had one, two runs since then that have reached 200 days. And don't forget, one of those is ALK, and Julie was injured for a large chunk mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a smattering of 100 days, but nobody's really sort of taken the bull by the horns. Obviously, Aphrodite's last run, they held it for 153 days. We are due a long long title run with these belts, especially recently where we've hot-shotted them so much. Since 7-Up um, dropped the belts, we have had one, two, three, four different champions. Ooh. They dropped the belts in April. April. like, And they were vacant from the end of November. To, well, they were vacant for two weeks. So, you know, it's due a long run. And I think of all the tag teams... I would argue Aphrodite are the team to sort of take those belts um, and sort of give them an importance. Because again, since those 407 days, we've had one long reign, and that was the Oeditai team of Hanakamura and Kagetsu, who held them for 347. Um, And as Venkin says, Melty shouldn't have lost to 7 up. Oh, no, they no, they should not have done. But uh, that was a that was a podcast a long time ago, and I believe an hour of it was just me and Matt going, "How the in hell the, has this happened?" In a galaxy far, far away. Honestly, mate. and then
2: and then Tam goes to the Tokyo Dome a week later, be like, "How are yeah, we supposed to
1: build this?" Absolutely, here's
2: five minutes. Anyway, I mean, said I'm gonna be positive. To be
1: to be fair, we were even before that match happened. We were like, "Never mind that Seven Up shouldn't have won the Goddess of Stardom Tag League. Never mind beating Melty." Anyway. Let's move on then. So we move on to our third from the top match, which is the match for the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. Julia defeated Megan Bain to get a seventh successful title defense, choking Megan Bain out with a guillotine choke or a modified guillotine choke in 17 minutes and two seconds. Another retention for Julia. But for me the story was not about Julia. For me, a star was made in Megan Bane. And the reason I say that is because when she debuted and she did an interview and said, I want to be the stardom Brock Lesnar or the stardom Undertaker and that sort of build. And I thought to myself, how the hell does someone do that in stardom? And then, just after she debuted, Tambi to clean. And I was like, oh, God. So, what are they going to do with her now? And I mentioned before that Megan Bain is one of Stardom's success stories this year, and she really is because she went from that loss and just being a big dominant monster to having the relationship with May Sarah, to sort of being humanized in her relationship with Micah as Divine Kingdom. And the fact that she has lost three big singles matches. The one against Tam we all knew was coming. The way she lost in the tag match against Aphrodite, as I've already said, that was due to miscommunication. You know, she was still kept very strong in that match. And this one, she was kept incredibly strong. It was so obvious from the get-go that this was a completely different dynamic to other Julia matches. Julia is so used to being the brawling person on offense leading the match. And here, she was in full-on underdog babyface mode. You know, she couldn't bully Megan Bain. Megan Bain is significantly bigger than her, both in height and in stature. So when she comes out and tries to, you know, haul her into Northern Lights, bombs, and, you know, slap her about and stuff, Megan Bain gives it as good as she gets. And it was so well done and i knew julia got her working boots on because she didn't come out in the Shawn michaels poo brown tights from survivor series 2002 um <laughs> which honestly i hate i hate those tights and every time there's something in that color oh my god yeah <laughs> the soccer mom hair and the poo brown tights um but still got over oh uh, honestly it did go out. it oh, did... the still got a huge pop <laughs> <laughs> um but I thought the fact that Julia was so good in her selling, so consistent in her selling, and the way they built the match, yes, it was great that Julia overcame the odds. It was great that it took, you know, uh, I think it was two Northern Lights bombs followed by the guillotine choke. She also had a locked-in the stealth Viper for a while as well. It took so much to finally put Megan Bain away. And actually, um, here are you as actually put, if this really was Megan's swan song, she went out with a bang. Completely agree. These two had a fantastic singles match on a random road to show. And it was that good that they decided to run it back on Stardom's biggest show or one of their biggest shows. And I think they knocked it out of the park. Completely different to that match. Megan Bain was still portrayed as an absolute monster. Julie was always going to win. It was about how she won and in the way that she won. She won and looked imperious, but Megan Bain lost and looked imperious. And continues to look in periods. Now, I know that Megan Bain is booked on at least the January 3rd and January 4th shows. So she is still there for them. But I I do wonder if she is um, homeward bound after that. If she is, she's... (laughs) Think about this. Okay, We did a whole spiel at the start of the episode about WWE and Stardom's relationship. Not one person, or no, that's not true. I know Alex from Stardom Quest knew who she was from Beyond Wrestling. I don't even know what Beyond Wrestling is, but he knew who she was. But he might be the only person I know that actually knew who she was. Um, She came in, a relative nobody, progressed so well in the four or five months she's been in Stardom and is leaving significantly stronger than she arrived. That is what stardom could do with some of the talent from NXT. So... Mariah May,
2: same
1: thing. Mariah May, exactly. I knew I did know a little bit more about Mariah May, but yeah, Mariah May is the exact same. So yes, I do think that Megan Bain has been a fantastic success story. I think she lost this match, but came out of it so much stronger than she went in. I would love for Rossi to go, do you know what? If you're not going to get used in AEW, why don't you do another tour with us? Why don't you come and stay till All-Star Grand Queendom? I'll tell you what, have a... She's the reason we need the SWA belt back. God damn it.
2: <laughs> what He's fired up, folks. Hon- He's an angry elf. <laughs> honestly,
1: honestly, I do not understand why that belt was retired. Ridiculous. But that's by the by. I'm... I'm I'm fine about it now. You it's know been, why?
2: It's been. Let's get into it for two seconds because Maia retired it to beat Kyrie for the IWG. <laughs> oh,
1: of course, yes, of course, yes, because Maia. But even let... Walker put over on commentary after the end of the match. <laughs> yep, after after Kyrie, Kyrie held the belt. Though to be fair, at least Kyrie did put someone over to win the belt. Oh no, wait. <laughs> anyway. Megan Bain. (laughs) Megan Bain. I love this match. I thought this match was great. I think I liked it a bit more than quite a few other people who watched this match, but I thought it was well-paced. I thought both women came out stronger than they went in, which is the whole premise of this match. When you've got someone of Megan Bain's stature, that's always going to be the issue. Okay? If you beat them, how are they going to look? Okay? Is it going to rob them of all their... Sort of star power. Is it gonna rob them of all of their aura? And I don't think he did. I think it worked really, 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 really well.
2: Brother, I have a question I should know the answer for. How many successful title defenses is
1: this for Julia? I, I don't think, have it
2: noted here. I no.
1: think this is the seventh. I will just double check that though.
2: Sure, no problem. Um one of the most impressive things about this match was for the first half of this match, this crowd was pretty much dead. And it had nothing to do with Julia. Or Megan Bay and it was put you're kind of put uh, in a uh, you're kind of put in a certain spot here right and you have a tired crowd you're kind of in the you're in the towards the middle here and you're just coming off a super hot tag match where everybody um, there is for our, our resident Julia fan over there uh, Who, by the way she runs a phenomenal Julia fan page uh, over on uh, on Twitter and um, the Instagram as well so the V7 so they, if anybody would know it be her i think she would know better than julia anywho so you do have <laughs> you do you do have um i actually met her when i was uh, in philly so uh, she was the loudest person cha- cheering for julia that day even yes anywho how are to you so uh welcome i'm glad that you're here with us so you have a crowd that's just tired. nothing to do with megan bain or julia are doing it's just you're halfway through this show you just come off this blistering main event our tag match that the crowd's tired for and it's just like, oh, the crowd's kind of. Are they going to peter out here? Because not only does Mike and are not Mike, it's not only does uh, Megan and Julie need to get them back for their match, they need to set the table for these two back-to-back title matches that we know are going to be great, regardless of the crowd reaction. But you don't want them to die out here. So not only are they put in a pressure situation in the middle of the ring, they have to figure this out to get the crowd back. Not only for this match, for this rest of the show, and not only did they do it, they did it in spades. I don't know who called it when, but they're going at a good pace, right? And it's a really good match. Julie hits the Northern Lights Bomb. My God, like, ah, this was a this was a pretty good match. And because nobody kicks out of the Northern Lights Bomb, really, then Megan Bain kicks out and they're like, oh. And now the crowd starts getting here. You mentioned how Megan Bain, and I didn't know this, how Megan Bain says she wants to be the Undertaker of Brock Lesnar. She's a Tombstone in F5 in this match. She so did. She did hit she both those doing. moves.
1: Yes, she did take it so, quite literally in this match.
2: So they do a great job, and not only that, I loved how Julie and you know I'm a big fan of this was somebody that has a big move to dump you on your head mm-hmm. or whatever, and then they kick out, you go to a submission. Julia hits the Northern Lights Bomb. Megan Bain kicks out. She goes into the uh, the Bianca. She puts her in the Bianca, and then it's like, oh, that'd be a really cool finish. And she's selling it, selling it, selling it. Eventually, Megan Bain gets the ropes, and then we're building, we're building. We have. Uh, Megan Bain is countering Julia's stuff. She hits the tombstone, and then she hits the F5. And the way that it was built, like, okay, we don't think Julia's losing the belt here. But it made me believe for, like, two or three seconds, I'm like, she hit the tombstone. She hit the F5. She's in the middle of the ring. Nobody's kicked out of the F5. I think she hit it on Tam. I think Tam either put her foot on the rope or she rolled out. But she's in the... And I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, guys, please let me know. I um, didn't
1: Siri kick out of one at Dream Queendom last year. No, 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 the F5. Oh, Megan Bain's F5. sorry, ignore me. Yeah, sorry. I thought you were still talking about the um, what's it, the Northern Lions bomb. Ignore I was like, the me. Megan Bane
2: wrestle share. I thought she was great match. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm not even drinking. What's in this <laughs> anyway? So, uh, she kicks so they're so kicking out of the big moves, and you're like, okay, now we're building, building. And it seems like every big move they're kicking out of, and they're taking their time, they'll hit it, sell it, and now the crowd they were here. Now they're here, now they're here. Now so it's like now did you get them back for their match, you're setting the table for the co main event and the main event. So kudos to how that just shows you how great Julie and Megan Bane are. And then Megan Bane goes for a moonsault. Like, where are we going here? Honestly, yeah. I was like, yeah.
1: Where is she going? No. Connected so with you know connected going- with the top rope move better than Brock Lesnar though, so well, if you've ever
2: seen Brock Lesnar do an OVW for some reason, he had a picture perfect. Anywho, so she, <laughs> she goes for the moonsault and it's just like, and she did a perfect rotation. I'm like, that was something. And then she, Julie hits another North Lights bomb. And then she does the Indian death block into the choke. The one little, little tidbit I had with this was if you were going, I think they would have got a bigger pop, especially the way it was building. If Julie would have won with the three count. She maybe would have hit a Northern Lights bomb, picked her up, and then another Northern Lights bomb, or hit the Glorious Driver. regardless, because the way it was building. But I understand you want to keep Megan strong, you want to do a pass out finish. I think the Indian Deathlock, for somebody who's seen a lot of Julia matches, is like her third rate finisher. You have the Bianca and the Stealth Viper. I would have much rather have Julia put Megan Bain in the Stealth Viper for really two main reasons. One, you just dropped her on her head twice. The Stealth Viper, it's basically the Cravat STF, So you're working back to the neck. Mm -hmm. It's a choke, and you've already softened up the neck. Two, I always have that visual for the Wonder of Stardom Championship when Tam passed out from it. I mean, she had it in bad, and I thought that just would have been cooler. Regardless, that's my little nitpick. I love this match. I think this is the best of the New Japan Strong matches, not only from Julia, but from when um, uh, Willow had it as well. I think this is as great as the Zumi match was great. Don't get me wrong. She's had a lot of great matches. This was her best one. This is the best Megan Bain match. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal match in a great way. And again, I gave us four and a half stars. I, I probably would have had it four and a quarter, but I bumped it up just because again, the crowd's here. They got them here and they got them here and they never came down for those two title matches. Four and a half stars. Kudos to Megan Bain and Julia. As much as I love Julia and as great as I think she is, I think she's even better now because now her her uh, psychology of crowd control of knowing when to do what and what to put what and then set the table for your next two matches just makes her even a bigger star. So I thought that was fantastic.
1: I gave it four and a core as well. And I think that's that's an area of Julia's game that she's really improved on um, is you know she's always been as I said before a very dominant wrestler a very, you know, brutal wrestler in her offense, but it's always been how she's on the back foot for me. Because she doesn't do it very often. There's not many wrestlers that can out muscle and out bully Julia. Uh, Willow Nightingale did it a little bit, and obviously Megan Bain here did it as well. And I think that's an, a really good feather to uh, to her bow that she can do that that she can uh, that she can flip between bully and bullied, um, which I think is really important. And then, oh. So post-match, we had some lovely stuff between Julia and Megan Bain, really putting Megan Bain over as she left. It did feel very much like her swan song. It did, you know, the way she was sort of watched by the camera as she went to the back, it did feel like she was leaving. And then it cut to a New Japan logo. (laughs) And and we heard clapping from off screen, and bless Trisha Dora. I thought it was Mercedes Monet, and I lost my mind. And then Trisha Dora came on and I felt really bad because my excitement level went from there all the way down. Had a
2: good promo, she really did. She
1: really cut she caught great promo. She caught great she did. promo. It's gonna be great match. It's it's gonna be a great match. Absolutely, it's been made official for the thirteenth of January in San Jose, at New Japan Battle in the Valley. So if you are in the San Jose area, go and check out Julie versus Trish Dora. From the limited stuff that I've seen of Trish, she's fantastic in ring, and she's gonna her style will meld really well with Julia's, I think. But it was just the fact that I thought it was gonna be. I got it in my head that Mercedes was gonna do a video package at this show. I don't know why. I'm d- the same way. We're nuts. We're nuts. I was like, it's not going to happen. Um. Oh, here you's going to be at um, Ball in the Valley. Well, if you are going to be at Ball in the Valley, notes. give us yeah. notes, my friend. Let us know what it's like. Um. And I hope you yeah. have a fantastic time, buddy. Um Yeah. But yes. So yeah, I was. I was. I felt really bad. I felt really bad on Trish But it'll be a great match. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We then move on to our semi-main event, which is going to... There we go. Sorry, I had the wrong page open for my notes. Wonder starting title match. Sioriano, or Sioriano, sorry, defeated the champion Mirai with the Japanese Ocean Suplex in 24 minutes and 43 seconds, ending Mirai's reign. Um, at 180 days at just three title defences. Now, Matt, friend of the the show, Scotty Wrestling, great guy. He said something along the lines of how the Wonder of Stardom Championship run or the Wonder of Stardom Championship needed to change hands. It hadn't helped Mariah in the way he thought it would do or it should have done. Now, we know that um, Mariah's had fantastic matches. You know, she had a great match against Momo Watanabe. She had two great matches now against Sayori I know that a couple of people were upset when uh, she has been sort of bumped off the top of the card or from near the top of the card by, you know, the New Japan Strong Women's title and stuff like that. Do you think Mariah has benefited – no, let me rephrase that because obviously she's benefited from being a champion, obviously. Has she benefited as much as you thought she would holding that Wonder of Stardom championship? Or do you think she is one of those wrestlers that is better in the chase than she is holding the belt?
2: Great question, brother. I'm going to say yes or no because – yes and no, and I'm going to give you my points not to be a cop-out. I thought she would have the belt longer. I thought me and you both thought that if she was dropping the belt here, it would have been to Mina. And then we thought it was, oh my God, they're just pat- not patting her, but they're just building her up more. Um, the fact that she had a great chase with Saya and then a great chase against Tam, and then was able to win the belt and has, I mean, the Konami match, these two, Sayori match. I mean, they're all been banged, the Momo match. They've all been bangers. Uh, she should have had the belt longer, in my opinion, with Sayori winning the belt. We talked about this last week. Does this mean she's like signed or verbally signed? We don't know. We don't know. I know a lot of people were saying this is the first time since Tony Storm that a non-signed wrestler has held one of the two belts. I think Rossi would have locked something down here one way or another. Maybe the, the fact that it's like, yes, I know you have the Sugi Bond thing and the Yaz Academy. You can kind of finish those dates, but you are our top priority here. So when she won the match, I was like, okay, she's got to be on some sort of contract or verbal agreement where we're going to see more of her in stardom, which I'm all for. Now, you talk about Mariah. She loses here. Okay. Again, I say it all the time. I say a lot of things all the time. It's not who goes over. It's who gets over. Mariah had a great chase for this belt. She had great matches with this belt. We need Micah to have a really good V1 coming out of the anniversary show at Supreme Fight. If they do a little build and if we get... Now, we know that she's not going to lose on V1. Would you be disappointed if our main event of that pay- first pay-per-view of next year, well, obviously we have the the pay-per-views, the third and the fourth, but on the fourth, the Supreme fight, would you be upset if the main event is Micah coming off this short but really good wonder run versus Micah? I think that's a great way to get Micah over because you know it's going to be a great match. Would you be upset if that's our main event? Because you built her now. Now she has that white belt. She's in the same vein. She has two Cinderella wins. so That puts her on the same plat- plateau as Mayu. But she's had, she's has won the Wonder of Stardom. champion. Not only did she win the Wonder of Stardom Champion, she beat the World of Stardom Champion when she did it. And again, she's had great matches. And she's now she's in the same, you know, category because she's won the belt that Julia had and that Tam had and that Mayu had and that Eo and Arisa and Sai and yada, yada, yada. So that's a very lot of belt that a lot of wrestlers that we love have never had. Natsupoy, Hizuki, uh Jungle Kiona, so on, so Azumi, style like it. Obviously they haven't been there yet, but There's there's a lot of great wrestlers that have never held that belt before. She held it, and I think now you can give her kind of a little bit of a run towards the main event, have her chase the red belt a little bit, not to win it, but just to build her up. I think eventually we're going to see somewhere, probably either in uh, early 2024 or maybe the the first quarter, maybe spring or uh, early summer, uh, Micah versus Mariah, World of Stardom Championship match. And I got no problem with that because she has proved she can main event these shows and steal the show. Even though they never put her in the main event of any of these matches, be like, that was the best match of the show. That was the best match of the show. Mariah's match was the best match on the show. Now she'll go on last with Micah. And you know, it's going to be a great match and it's going to make Micah's championship run get off to a really good start. Whether it's V1, V2, V3, so on and so forth.
1: I'm going to flip it back to you. So, we're coming off the back of this Mariah title defense. Or this title run, should I say. It's been divisive in some ways. The matches, for me, have all banged. The matches have all been really, really good. Did she feel any different as a champion? As if they'd... Or, you know... Did the belt affect it? Did it feel any different? Were she not champion? You know, would she have still had a killer match with Momo Watanabe? Would she have still had a killer match with Konami? Did it feel special because it was a title match? Did she feel like a wonder of stardom champion? And the reason I'm asking you that is because does Mariah have a future as the world of stardom champion? Do you see her in the next two, three, four years? She's still relatively young. Do you see her as a future red belt champion? Because this, for all intents and purposes, like you said, should have been the jumping-off point. This has been the jumping-off point for so many white belt champions to become the red belt champion, to push to be the red belt champion. I can't answer that question. I don't know if Marai has used this wonder do- Again, matches have been fantastic. That Momo Watanabe match from Goya Golden Fight, one of my matches of the year, great match. Does she feel like she belongs in that red belt arena at the moment I don't think so not for me and you know I'm I'm sure she will do I'm sure she will do but I am of the opinion that the story with Sioriano and obviously they're pivoting towards Natsapoi which is great because god do we need a Natsapoi white belt reign that girl deserves it after the years she's had this year she's been brilliant um, but you know there are some people who really struggle as champion and even though i don't necessarily think mariah has struggled as champion i don't think she's ever felt like a champion the matches have been great but i don't feel like she's felt like a champion do you know what i mean
2: sure and that might not be on her. That might be on the company. Yeah, they maybe. maybe, could have maybe, put maybe a bit, yeah. They could have put a little more gas on it. And I, I'll, I'll say this. She doesn't feel like a red belt champion just yet. But if I would have told you when they hi- when, a year ago today when all Donald Del Mundo heisted Julie up on her shoulders, I would have said, oh, by the way, next year Mike is walking out with a red belt. He would have said, maybe the white belt, but the red belt. So they're showing they're not afraid to start pushing new talent. Does Mirai win the five-star next year? possible does she get to the finals it's possible does she have another run with the white belt in six seven eight nine ten months sure it's possible she proves she's really great in the ring give her another chase very much what they did to micah see if it gets over organically very much like it sees with micah because we know she can put on main event matches but it's another thing to it's it's a one thing to be a main event match but it's nothing to be a main event star very much like Julia. She's a star from curtain to curtain with Mirage She's got the clap thing or whatever. Um, you know, she's over, but not to a certain degree, but her matches yeah. are phenomenal. And I think she just needs that little bit, something different that kind of separates her like a Julia a Uton, a Asai, and a Tom, She aside, those
1: intangibles. She needs that yeah. aura, which that she doesn't have. Her. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's like, yeah. St- like, yeah. God,
1: no, it, it's what we said. You know, there are some wrestlers that just have that aura, you know, Julia has it, Sury has it, Mina Shirakawa has it for me. You know, yeah, um, in spades. In spades. Pitiful advantage. Um, advantage. <laughs> yeah, we just give the uh, feeder to Nanai Takahashi, um, uh, who ironically doesn't have it, in my opinion. Um, you know, Mayu Uitani has it. I think that Mariah is a fantastic wrestler, but she's yet to find that. She's yet to find that it factor. When she finds that, whatever it is, whatever it is that clicks for her, fine. The red belt scene, absolutely. But I would argue that until she finds that, she feels just like another good wrestler. And unfortunately, stardom is a company where there is a lot of... Few. of good wrestlers like you look at people who haven't held the white belt and the red belt Hazuki is top of that list Natsupoi is on that list you know Mina Shiroka had the white belt for 30 days or something completely ridiculous you know there are fantastic wrestlers that haven't held those belts you've got to have more than just being a fantastic wrestler or a very good wrestler and for me Mirai doesn't quite have that yet her in-ring has improved, in my opinion, since having the Y belt. But maybe getting the belt off her was the best thing for her. Give it to Sioriano, who, again, has that aura. She carried herself out in Dream Queendom today. Good grief. The feathery the feathery thing that she yeah. had going on. Even Kirsty looked at me. and She was like, That's, that was quite cool. And it did look quite cool. It did look quite cool. And she has that she has those intangibles, Siori, and she then put on a fantastic match with Mirai. You know, the fact that she doesn't have a spine always helps, you know, her elasticity, the way she sells. <laughs> Phenomenal. We're going to talk about the match because I feel like we've talked a lot about Mirai and we've not really talked about the match. This is another one that I've seen divide opinion on social media. And yeah, I, get it. I I sort of do but allow me to explain it. This is how sure. I foresaw it. So, Mirai's sort... So, basically, this stems from Seoriano controlling the opening segment of the match. And then we had the explosive closing sec- segment, which was brilliant, brutal. That first section, for people, felt quite slow, felt quite disjointed. Now, the reason that I think it felt like that was deliberate. You've got Sioriano who knows that you have got a very, very overzealous Mirai who is looking for that power, looking for that speed, looking for that head of steam to build up into, to get the claps going, to feed off that energy, to start laying in lariats. The more Anno frustrated Mirai the more likely she is to make that mistake that allows her in. And that's when that furious closing segment came in, that closing sequence, that closing 10 minutes, which was just move after move after move after move, reversal, kicking after absolutely everything. There were so many near falls in this. Mariah hits the Miramare shock, nothing kicks out. Mariah hits ridiculous power slams, nothing kicks out. Jumping lariat kicks out. Goes for the electric check, kicks out. Everything she kicks out of and you can see Moraga getting more and more and more and more frustrated overall i love this match i think the result was the right result ultimately i think the way they structured the match though i can see why some people are a little bit off with the timing i loved it i thought that i thought it worked really really well the poison runner out of nowhere which Fenkins just said yes absolutely brilliant I think the two styles melded really well. You've got someone who is very much into the finesse of pro wrestling in Cioriano, but isn't afraid of getting a hands dirty. And you've got someone who is very brutal and very hard-hitting in Marai. And I think those two styles worked really well. They told a story for the first half and then just started beating the hell out of each other for the second half. And I think that worked really, really well. And it's worth pointing out as well that Sioriano has had a great year. She's had a really, really good year since she debuted in Stardom. Well, I'll say debuted, re-debuted in Stardom. The stuff with Restart was great. The stuff with Siori Poi was great. She had a great five-star. Um, and, yeah, overall, I thought this match was fantastic. I gave it four and a half stars.
2: Siori definitely earned it because... When I went back again, when I rewind, this is one of the two matches I watched more than once. Is from her neck all the way down to her chest. There was blister, blister, yes. black and blue. And Mirai yeah. beat. Her, and we knew it was happen
1: absolutely mullered her.
2: I think that, and again, I just I kind of don't understand why everyone was so decisive because I I absolutely love this match. I, I this was an instant classic, and it, it might be just. if you didn't like this match, uh, maybe go wait a day or two and go watch it. In its own vacuum, it's on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's because of the storytelling of the last two matches. When you're up and down, up and down, and then you blitz on the finish. We saw in the tag match, and then we saw on Megan bane and Julia where they just go and kill each other doing moon salts for whatever. And great, don't you go great, and then this one kind of is a slower start. So it's just like, guys, you have to let it build. It can't be I want it, want it now. Like let it build. They're giving this match time to tell the story. Uh, which then the main event goes completely different, which was great psychology. We'll get into that in a moment, but it's building, 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 and then you just see them just dropping bombs, and Mariah sees throwing the right lariat, the left lariat. You know, what Soriano's trying to work over Mirai's neck. She tries it for the Mirai shock, and Sor- I don't know how Soriano does, but jumps up, hits the Poison Rana, and then that one spot where she hits two German suplexes in a row and she goes for the third, and Mariah grabs the second rope, and the ref, right before the ref goes to break, because you have five seconds to break, Soriano punts and kicks Mariah's hand off and then drags her right back in the middle. It's a perfect German suplex. What a great fall scene. Then there was all the ger- all the clotheslines. And then very much like I said before about teasing a big move and then finally hitting it. Mirai goes back hitting lariat after lariat and then hits the mirror Mirai shock. I'm like, okay, this is the finish because we teased it before. Now not only do we get it, but Mariah weakens Sayori with hitting all those lariats. Sayori kicks out and then it's just back and forth. And then there she goes for the Tom's tondra the first time. And we've seen the Tom's counter tundra. happen. Tom's Tondra. Tom's Tondra. We've seen... Well, no, I'm sorry. The first time she goes for like a, a, a short-arm clothesline, almost like a Rainmaker. And then uh, Sayori does what I call the back... I think it's called the Potter Ring. I call it the backside from heaven. And I'm like, maybe this is the finish because that's how they won... Uh, her, Kyrie, and Poi won the, um, one of the trios awesome. title, yeah. the artist titles. Yeah. So it was like that. And, and I bid on that. I bid on so many falsies. And then she goes for the Tom Tondra the first time. And I'm like, oh, she hits this. This might be it. And then she just gets absolutely destroyed with a lariat from Mirai. We saw she, I think she countered it, the Cork and Hall and the five-star. But I know she countered it at the uh, the Gold Rush match with a 30-minute time of a draw. I know it's coming. I still wasn't prepared for just the brutal violence. And then it goes back and forth with Sarah so just move after move after move, and then hits the Tom's Tundra. And I—I I, anybody watches me when I watch wrestling these big matches, when they hit a big move. And you're not sure if they're going to kick out. There's two things that annoy me. When the announcers say, that's it, that's it, it's over. Nine and a half times out of ten, it's not over. Or when they're looking directly at the ref. And I'm like, you know they're kicking out because they're looking at the ref. She finally hits, again, Bills, the Tom Tondra. That's her go-to finish. She has a lot of finish, but that's her big one. She finally hits it after the trio of German suplexes, and Mariah's eyes are closed. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're changing the title. And Mariah kicks out last second. I'm like, oh, my God, we're building, building, building. And then finally, Sarah's like, I had enough. She hits the, uh, you know, what was it? It was like a modified um, Tiger Suplex. What are the, what are they call it? It's was the
1: officially finish? listed on the Stardom website as the Japanese Cyclone Suplex.
2: Okay. The Ocean City's the Toyota one. That's why yeah. I thought, okay. And then she hits that. I'm like, well, that's got to be the finish because she's breaking out something new, very much like Julia Lash here. And I'm like, this was great. Like, I think I text you right, I text you right away. And I was like, it's one of the best wonder matches ever, which is saying a lot. And then I saw Twitter was just like, this was terrific. This was great. And then some people were like, oh, that's nice that Sayori won after giving the worst performance of her career. I was like, you watch a different match. That's why I wow. went back and watched it again. And I was like, "No, nope, I watched the match that I watched. Guess who liked it? I liked it. I know this guy over here liked it. And I hope you all liked it. There it is, Neil, my man. She's not happy. Yeah, and the fact that she's in there with Mariah, who's another person that's um, not capable of having a bad match. Again, if you didn't like it, you know, I I always say wrestling is subjective. You can like what you like, and I I respect your opinion. I'm also really sorry for you. Four and three-fourth stars. This was the second best match on one of the best shows of the year. This was fantastic, and I'm excited to see where she goes with this. Now, my friend, they did tease Natsapoy, because they were kind of like staring at each other. Did you see about an hour after the show who was very vocal on Twitter that wanted a white belt match ASAP?
1: Oh, I don't know. Go on.
2: Now, Rob Goodman, I do not like short title defenses, especially with that Wonder Run. If this is a short title defense, you know who I wanted to drop it to, right?
1: Absolutely, Huzuki.
2: Hazuki said she wants the shot at the white belt. That might be our V1, or we might build to it. Regardless, I will take it. I will take And maybe she's not signed. Maybe it's like... We're give you know you win the white belt because you're a phenomenal wrestler. You had a great year. You had to vacuous the um the tag titles, and then you just because you're not signed, we are go- we are uh oh, look at that the worst performance was deleted by the way oh,
1: good there you go. anyway
2: I'm glad <laughs> <laughs> yeah again you you can like what you like but you're wrong on that one um and maybe <laughs> it's just like we're, you're gonna have the belt for and then you're gonna lose it on a V1 to his especially with those two belts I don't like short runs. But if we're putting the belt on Hazuki, there's exceptions to every rule. Absolutely. And when you and when you punt a clown in the face, you deserve a title. Absolutely. You a title.
1: Absolutely. I feel like that is how everyone should earn their title runs. <laughs> Sodgy your money in the bank. Sod your five star Grand Prix. Just punt the clown, and you can have your title.
2: Now, folks, if you're at a child's birthday party, don't tape it and and put it on Twitter and tag us that Matt and Rob said
1: kick a clown in the face. Yeah, that's... he said that, not me. Although to be although to be fair. <laughs> New t-shirt design. No. Just kick I the clown. I told you what the one is. Yeah, yeah, kick you Pin the clown.
2: Pin the clown. Pin the Your clown.
1: Pin the clown. <laughs> now, I have realized that we are almost at three hours and haven't spoken about the main event. So we will get to the main event now. I just want to briefly say that, obviously, once we've gone through this show, um, the next time that we will be with you will be Wednesday, which I believe will be the third. I won't have had time to watch the pay-per-view by then. So we'll pr- ooh, we'll work something out with that. Just bear with us. Bear with us. Figure it out. Um. Anyway, main event. Final thing that we are going to talk about today: vacant World of Stardom Championship run. Micah Micah defeats Suzu Suzuki to become the Red Belt Champion. I've never been happier. The seventeenth red belt champion wins it with three successive Michinoku driver two in 20 minutes and 39 seconds in complete contrast to the Siori and Mirai match which was structured and then led to that furious last that last sort of flurry this was just absolute carnage from the get go and I loved it and Matt we talked on the preview about how You've got to take crowd reaction into into effect into sort of consideration. And we, you know, we gave the example of I think Kofi Kingston from WrestleMania 35. And the reaction to Micah recently has been incredible. Suzu is a great wrestler. Suzu will be a Red Belt champion. There is no doubt about this. No doubt in my mind at all. This was not her time. For me, this had to be Micah. Just because of the organic reaction, you captured that lightning in the bottle that doesn't happen that often. I'm still convinced, had that match between Utami and Suri not happened in 2021, you know the match, the five and a half star match, Suri would not have been a red belt champion. I don't think she would have been a red belt champion. You have to go with sort of... Occasionally, yes, having a plan is great. But when something comes along like this, like the lightning in the ball, like the crowd support for Micah, it feels natural to give that to Micah. Now, don't get me wrong. If Suzu Suzuki had won, I would have been fine with that. I would be fine with Suzu Suzuki. Whoever won this, it wouldn't, but it, it would be a case of, oh, Susu Suzuki won it. Okay, well, that's like being the second poorest billionaire. Like, it. It's a great (laughs) thing to happen. I'd have just preferred Micah. I'm not going to be embittered by that. Suzu Suzuki is 21 years old. She is the future of wrestling. She will be Red Belt Champion. But I still stand by the fact that Micah, this was Micah's time. The moment they started plugging the Himika stuff in the video package and then she hit the running powerbomb as well, I was like they're not they they're not gonna do this and then have Micah lose. It, it it's just it's it didn't feel right. And here you as here you, sorry, I am gonna get your name right, I apologise, has actually put it better here. It was now or never for Micah. Susan will have her time. And I think that's really but that's the sentiment that's been shared by a lot of Sardom fans. This, and I said this to you on the preview if Micah doesn't win it here, is she going to be able to be heated up to this point again to win the red belt? Whereas, a
2: in a bottle again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whereas I think Suzu, it's not going to take a lot to heat her back up to that red belt scene. And I think that was really, really, really important. This was a great match. Ultimately the most cathartic finish that we could possibly have going into 2024, You had two future stars of the company in Micah and Suzu Suzuki, have two star-making performances, blitz each other for 20 minutes, and then Micah goes backstage, celebrates the belt with Himika. Are you kidding me? That's perfect. That's beautiful. That's pro-wrestling perfection. Ultimately, I absolutely adored this match. I adored it for all of the ridiculous brutality, all of the callbacks to their five-star Grand Prix final. I... Loved it for everything Micah gave to it. And you could see her physically just giving everything to the point where even when she hit that third Michinoku driver, as she got Suzu up, I was like, she's going for too many. She's gone for too many. Suzu's going to reverse out of it like she did in the five star, but she gets it and wins. And it was just perfect. It was the cathartic moment. She calls out half the locker room after the match Utami Sayaka Amitani Julia I'm like well there's you know and then who else did she call out Um, Tam Tam of course well there's four (laughs) tile defenses Um, like straight away that's till April we're sorted we're good there's nothing I did this was all structured beautifully it fit beautifully yes Suzu Suzuki becomes the first five star winner to not be successful in their challenge since Hanakamura in 2019 Suzu's time will come. She is 21 years old. And let's not forget, she wasn't even supposed to win this five-star. That was horrible as it sounds. It was an afterthought tournament. It was supposed to be Saya Matani. Suzu won the tournament, and that's a great honour. And again, she is a phenomenal wrestler. Future of stardom, without a shadow of a doubt. And she will get that opportunity again. She will be in so many more main events. She'll be so over. She will be a future Red Belt champion. But Micah's time was now. And I don't think, if Micah would have lost here, I don't think there is any rehabbing her to this point again. That's my thought anyway. Overall, Matt, I gave it four and three quarter stars. I think it's on par with their five star Grand Prix final with the added emotion of everything that went into it. The brutality of the chair spots, the table spot, which again, that table spot looked like it absolutely wrecked because the table just did not want to break because as we know, Japanese wood is the hardest. Um, Mike are trying desperately to stop Suzu Suzuki hitting the Sky Twister press again, kicking out of all these ridiculous moves, the Lariats it's beautiful, all in all a great way to end this pay-per-view and in my opinion, and I know you're going to disagree with me, the right choice What was the star rating you gave this? I gave it 4 and 3 quarter stars Oh, I gave it two stars. No, I love this match.
2: I said last week, I it it, it it didn't matter who won, it would be the right decision. Um, I have Suzu as my pick because the general when Sai got hurt, the general pick was for Suzu to defeat Tam at Gold Rush and then have a little bit of run for the belt. That's where I thought they were coming. However, plans do change, especially with Micah getting organically over uh, to the degree that she did. But you can tell this was the right decision uh, as soon as Micah got in the ring because in between Micah's music stopped playing, and Suzu coming to the ring, Micah, 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 very much towards the end of their match from the five stars. Yeah. So it's like, and Suzu came out. She got a great reaction. Don't get she me did. wrong, yeah. but it was, but it, and it was a great match. And the fact that this went, you know, it, it, you said it went, it went twenty minutes. It didn't feel like that because this need, especially the buildup. You weren't going to have that technical wrestling to start. They know what they were getting into. They were getting into a fight. And it started right there from the forearms. They went outside. They did some brutality. Susan got the better of the brutality. She brings a table. Now we get into a whole nother thing. It was a lot of counters. Like Susan would hit those two kicks, go for the third one. Micah would catch for the power bomb. Or, or Susan reverse into the rana, which we saw on the apron through the table, which was an absolutely crazy spot. Um and then it just build and built There was no feeling out process. It was bomb after bomb after bomb settle. Sell, settle, sell, and then it, like the crowd again, right from the Julia match up until this co-main event uh, up until here, it was all the crowd was hot, was really hot for everything. Um, you thought Suzu would hit the sky tester press. Micah never gave her the opportunity. Um, she hit three beautiful suplexes in a row to really kind of soften up Suzu. There was just some really great back and forth stuff. And if you think that the wrong person won this match, go and listen. I gave this five, I gave this five stars, Rob. I was at four and three four, it's with you. But when you go back and watch it, I always give extra credit for crowd reaction because ultimately that's what you're getting. You're hooking that crowd in. When Mike gets the third Majinoku driver, you hear that crowd go, one, two, three, boom. The biggest pop of the night after four hours of great wrestling wasn't a move. It was the final three count. So you're sending the folks home happy. Yeah. You gave him a great show. You gave them a great match. Even if this match, for some reason, if it missed in certain points, I still think they would have had a big pop for the finish because they wanted Micah to win. Mm. The fact that it was such a roller coaster you didn't know which way it was going to go, and Suzu was hitting this, and the three count can happen at any time, and then we get the three Mijinoku drivers, which, what does that say for Suzu Suzuki? That took three of Micah's finishers to put her away. So I thought this was really, really good. Um, excellent match. Now, for all you Suzu Suzuki fans out there, Rob said it. She's only 21 years old. You know what now you can do with her? You can have her tag with Sarah, right? Rob, guess what you can do in six months, eight months? Have her win the white belt. You can have her win the five-star again. There's a lot you can do with her. Suzu Suzuki, year-long white belt run? Absolutely. I'm for it. Give me Suzu for the white belt with Natsupoy, with Sayori, with Mirai versus... Utami, Saya, Zumi, Iida, the human Cadillac, Dorian Deville. There it is. Who
1: did get a mention in our comments? Oh, and I, me- I, I missed yeah. it. I'll I'll bring it up. Hang on, I'll bring oh. it up. Um, I'll keep ranting. Yeah, but this keep, keep is, ranting.
2: Yeah, but the fact—I thought Suzu was going to win, but it was just the fact that the crowd was so into Micah. You had it in the beginning, Suzu got over the entire match, but again, she's the third Mizuno driver. And listen to that pop, organic pop for a great match, a great show. And again, the your biggest pop of the night in a 4-hour show. Neil, <laughs>
1: my guy.
2: There it is. He is now. We get a we'll get it right. We have to we ha, we have to I know it's going long and we got to get going cuz it's almost midnight your time and I haven't even yep. dinner yet and I can smell the food cooking. But if we we, we, when we go to WrestleCon in Philly, we got to see if Luke Gallows is there See if he being cut a promo as the human Cadillac oh,
1: going to the bill. Be incredible.
2: <laughs> cuz I have to ask about that. But um yeah, again I gave this five stars. It was four and three-fourths, but because of the crowd reaction in the beginning throughout the match and that big pop at the end, these two absolutely killed it. Let's talk about real quick, the new gear. They both look phenomenal. They both look like stars. I thought that uh, the Himika thing should have happened in the ring, but I get it. You kind of want to ruin that moment. And then Hubble Julia pulling Suzu out mm-hmm. and having her carry down to the point that you see Tam in the shot and Tam who's someone who loves the camera. The camera loves her. She gets out of the way of the camera so this way they can kind of have their moment. So great match, great stuff. Uh, yeah, thoughts on the Julia Souza angle. If Julia is going to WWE, I think Suzu is going to replace her in Donald Del Mundo with Micah being the leader, and then Suzu kind of being very much like if you remember DDM when it first started, he was a super group, you know what I mean? And, they, and Donald Del Mundo, all the factions have anywhere between two to three main eventers anyway. You know, you have Taurus Star like Kid, Momo. You know, you have Azumi, Sai. You, with, if Julia goes to DDM, you have Micah, no disrespect to Tekla and May Sakurai. They're not main eventers. You put no. Suzu in there. Now you have your two main eventers in the group. Yeah. So I think that's where they're going with that. And maybe on the way out, Suzu, uh, or Julia puts Suzu over. If she is going, I think she needs to put Suzu over. She needs to put Micah over. And we need to see that one-on-one Utami match. Put it out cork, and if you don't have time on pay-per-views. There it is folks. There you go. There it is. This is great. I absolutely love this. I didn't even realize that with three hours, if you guys love this, I love doing this, you know, maybe we'll do this for, you know, or three times a year for all the big shows you know if uh, if we can fit it in i thought this was great i thought this was terrific i hope you guys enjoyed it
1: yeah absolutely thank you everyone for joining us um uh, obviously we'll be back next week uh well we'll be talking about the triangle derby which of course is a one-night tournament this year we'll also be talking about the january 4th show the stardom gate show uh with suri and mayu iwatani on top Uh, for the iwgp women's championship we'll also be talking about the stardom cast fourth annual um, awards end of year awards which will be live on our twitter after this podcast has dropped thank you plug pedro we love you guys we love you too um and i am just going to end the podcast on this note rob is too handsome for wrestling I I
2: respectfully agree. I
1: respectfully (laughs) agree. Well, thank you very much, my bro. Um, But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this live stream. It has been incredibly fun. So, uh, yeah, we hope you've had a lovely 2023. Thank you for all of your support during 2023. It's been an incredible year, quite scary year in terms of the growth that we've had. We, uh, we we couldn't have done this without any of you, so thank you to everyone. Thank you to all of our supporters who just listen to the podcast, who listen to YouTube, interact with us on uh, social media, subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cast. Thank you to everyone um, and hopefully 2024 will continue this way. And obviously, you know, hopefully 2024 brings you all of the stuff that you want as well. Thank you for joining us. We know we've gone long. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, But yeah, um, uh, you can find us on social media at the stardom cast. Um, If you want to help us out even more, um, a five-star review and a comment would really help us out on the podcast app of your choice. Um, And yeah, if you fancy talking to me, um, I don't know why you would, but if you want to talk to me on Twitter, then please feel free at real Rob Goodwin um and yeah matt turner sign us off for our last podcast of 2023
2: absolutely guys questions comments anything you need from me uh we're going to be kind of revamping some things on the patreon and if you have suggestions we're open to it we are open to it uh anything i could do for you matt turner of on the instagram and or the twitter i did make mention that i'm a huge fan of the twilight zone and we have the twilight zone marathon actually starting tomorrow so it's like a three-day marathon I already had some folks messaging me my favorite episode, so that's nice to, you know, you can ask me pretty much anything outside of the realm of pro wrestling, although pro wrestling is my favorite thing to talk about. Again, questions, comments, Matt Turner, OF right there on the instagram and or the twitter you want to shoot a we'll figure it out by uh, 2025 buddy i gotta feel got it. if you want to shoot me you gotta shoot me an email that's my goal uh the stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email folks rob said it this year has just been absolutely insane everything that we've done and uh we're not resting on our laurels we're going to keep the stardom train going does not happen without you we greatly appreciate your support because like i always say just not my podcast it's our podcast because we're almost together. Everybody's different, everybody's special.